just jumping in really quickly at the start of today's episode to tell you about some upcoming opportunities to see us live in the flesh. And you can see us live at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival 2024. We are doing three live podcasts on Sundays at 3.30 at Basement Comedy Club, April 7, 14 and 21. You can get tickets at dogoonpod.com. Matt, you're also doing some shows around the country. That's right. I'm doing shows with Saren Jaimana, who's been on the show before. We're going to be in Perth in January, Adelaide in February, Melbourne through the festival in April and then Brisbane after that. I'm also doing Who Knew It's in Perth and Adelaide. Uh, details for all that stuff at mattstewartcomedy.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and I'm sitting here with Matt Stewart and a very hungover Jess Perkins. <laughs> hey, papa. Oh, you're just excited it's not you for once. I haven't had a drink in like two months. That's not true. At all? Yeah, at all. Well, not since last financial year. Well, I mean, that was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> or whenever you're listening to this, <laughs> the appropriate amount of time yeah. ago. Plus yesterday. Yes. No, I just want to know how, how smug are you feeling now looking across the table at Jess? So smug. Very hungover Perkins. Look, I imagine she had a really good time and it was well worth it. I did have a really good time. And? It was well worth it. No, um, it wasn't worth it. I threw I up in a cafe. No. It's not... <laughs> it, like in a bin? No, I went to the bathroom. All right. Oh, no, I went behind the sandwich counter. I think nearly nothing is worth that. Yeah, it wasn't good. I think, yeah, hangovers are very rarely really worth it. But the annoying thing is that I woke up fine. Like, you know, you're normal, thirsty and um, tired. Praying for death. I know. I was like, wow, I'm actually all right. And then like four hours later, I was not okay. That's annoying. I need to know when I wake up what I'm dealing with. Right. It snuck up on you. Yeah, and then I had to... Throw up a couple of times at a cafe and then another time at home. Then I had to sleep for a bit. And now I feel very average. Do you reckon you're going to vomit again on live on air? God, I hope so. Live on air. Yeah, because we, we, Saturday we will, night. We will not be cutting out the sounds of you vomiting. Yeah. No. That's, we will not compromise on that. And I will be turning it up. Hey, Bob, I <laughs> yeah. think in your current state, you're probably the best person to give us a quick. Rundown of what this show is all about. Easy, no problem. What this show is, is myself, Jessica Ann Perkins. That boy over there, David James Warnicky. <laughs> okay, I'm the boy, yep. That bearded man over there, Matthew James Stewart, is we take turns taking a topic suggested by yourself, Hewitt Stewart. Oh, right. <laughs> is that Hewitt Stewart's the person who suggests the topic? All of them. All of them. I did sense, not know that. That makes sense to one person. The collective term for a do-go-on listener is right. a Hewitt Stewart. Oh, Hewitt Stewart. 
Yeah. <laughs> Did right. you know that, Dave? No, I didn't know. If that. I may continue. Is that okay. their last name or is that their occupation? Are they stewards? No, that's their collective. Now it's like a flock of seagulls. Yeah. Right. Or a murder of crows. Right, a they ran. steward of fans. They ran so far away. Right. <laughs> uh, please go on. Sorry, Jess. I'm so sorry to interrupt your seamless description. Right. So the three aforementioned actors. <laughs> Great. Comedians, performers, human beings. I prefer actor. Actor. Uh, we choose a topic suggested by a Hewitt steward. Um, we report, <laughs> create a report on that topic and, uh, and report that report <laughs> back to the other two, one of whom is currently struggling very hard. Right. Dave. And <laughs> no, I, I'm, very, I'm struggling very hard to understand, yes. And uh, hilarity uh, follows. Perfect. Okay. I'm excited that one of us will give a reportable report. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and that is started usually with a question. And uh, this week I'm doing the topic and here is my question. Right on. It's a very um, personal question. Um, okay. I don't normally open up like this. Who is my third favourite band of all time? Third favourite. Well, you are wearing a UMI jumper. That's true. Great Aussie band. I know you like them a lot. I do. It's not them, no. Where right. would they come? Have you ranked them? How many have you ranked? I've only really ranked to three. Three. Okay. Well, the Beatles, we've talked about before. I believe they may be your number one. Yes. Uh, I think so. Pantera? Yes, that's who it is. Pantera. <laughs> Pantera. I think a little bit after writing this report makes me not like them as much as oh. as with all reports I've done. Oh, no. Ne- honestly, you should never meet or write a do-go-on report about your heroes. Yeah. It's a bit of a, like, maybe I sort of vaguely, but anyway, we'll... Talk about as we go on. Uh, this topic of Pantera was suggested by listener Alex Hitchcock about a year or so ago uh, on Twitter. But it's also been suggested a bunch of times uh, in the last week or so because Pantera have been in the news. Oh. Sadly, they have. Um, Jess is not aware. I did not know. Uh, the drummer died uh, not too long ago. Um, oh. But I guess I'll, I'll mention that later in the report. Um, yeah, so it's been pretty sad. Um uh, and uh, yeah, it was to me it was uh, mind blowing because I I'd already started the report um, when oh. he died. You'd already chosen this, yeah. Next, wow. I'd, and I because I'd been reading about him a lot and write, um, started writing the report at the time. Um, somehow Google knew that and messaged me saying um, there's news about Pantera. That's how I found out he died. Google told you. Google texting. Have you ever had that before? No, I've never had that before about anything. That's so strange. That is so strange. And do you feel responsible? I can't help but feel like I played a small and pivotal role. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, thank you so much, Alex Alex Hitchcock, for the suggestion. Dan Hart, uh, we had a bit of a chat about it as well. He turned out to be a a big fan and he thought... um, It'd be a really good uh, topic. Um, he he made this assumption that you guys would not know much about them. Correct assumption. Okay. Dave? Dave? Yes, I, ha- I have gone through a, a, a sort of he- a heavier music phase um, in my teens, but never sort of the thrash uh, type of metal, so I don't really know anything about them. Well, I mean, Except... you're, off, you're off from the start. They weren't, they weren't, I mean, they were thrash influence, sure, but they were not <laughs> thrash metal. Are they, so. are they one of the big four? No, Dave, no, no, no. All right, let's get on with Is the wrong? report. I don't know. Yes. the big four. They, they were influenced by the big four, but they weren't one of the big four. They, they sort of went off on a f- slight fork. Oh, I, I, I'm so out of my depth. All right. Well, let's start from the top uh, in the man Jerry Bob Abbott. 
Um, Jerry Bob, good. Jerry Bob Abbott. He was a country musician and a record producer from Texas. And in 1962, at 20 years of age, he married Norma Carolyn. Two years later, they had a son uh, who was named Vincent Paul Abbott, who you would know from this week's, uh, last week's, last month's news. He was the drummer who died, Vinnie Paul. He was born on March the 11th, 1964. And two years later, um, they had another son named Daryl Lance Abbott on August the 20th, 1966. Uh, of course, 1966 is the most good year of them all. A mere 35 days after Daryl's birth, <laughs> the Saints won their one and only VFL Premiership. So it's a great thing that uh, Vinnie Paul and Daryl both were alive for the Sainters' mm. big day. Th- they were there. I assume they were there. If they weren't there, they were probably watching it on the bloody telly. I assume they get Channel 7. I think so. Over there, don't they? How many yeah. channels are there? Yeah. I mean, There's obviously- only at least seven, obviously. Yeah, sure. Uh, despite having no prior experience, Jerry Bob took up a job as a recording studio engineer in 1973. Uh, his, he, he was a musician. Mm-hmm. He'd been around it, but he hadn't. He'd never done any engineering work. But he, but he got a job. Got a job. People, That's right. a friend, I think, asked him to do it, and he's like, "All right." Um, so his boys, uh, Daryl and Vinnie Paul, would spend a bunch of time hanging out there at the studio, and bigger brother Vinnie uh, took up playing the drums, and although Daryl also wanted to play the drums like his brother, there was only the one kit, so he took up guitar instead. Which is, I reckon nearly it would always be, guitar would, my bet would be that that would normally be the first picked. Yeah, definitely. If you lined up all the instruments, it'd it'd probably go guitar, drums, bass, right? Yeah. Yeah. I like the bass. I, I think it does depend on the era. It sort of depends how, like. If it's a funk band. Maybe bass to be higher yeah. up the pecking order. Or like order. sometimes in some years, like keyboard is big. Right, like guitar. in the 80s or something. But then, you know, guitar usually does trumpet. And the great thing about guitar is you can just you can play along to, you know, you can jam on your own yeah. drums. It's difficult to play solo. Yeah, drum solos are great though. I saw Cosmic Psychos last month and they, um, at one point, they go, we're bringing back the drum solo. <laughs> I mean, they did a big drum solo. It's great. How long do you reckon it went for? I was a, it was a good few minutes, but I it made me think. I'm like, yeah, that was like not that long ago. Drum, every gig you went to, there'd be a drum solo, yeah. especially bigger shows. But they, they don't really happen that much anymore. Out of bloody fashion. Bring them back. Bring them back. As, long, as well as the keytar. Um, Daryl was given a guitar as a birthday present, and Jerry Bob gave him his first lessons. Before long... Daryl was becoming a prodigy in the art of shredding. <laughs> um, he, he recorded some of his playing into a cassette and entered into a local guitar competition at the age of 14. And he was selected uh, from 150 entries to go into the final, which was played live. And uh, he ended up taking out the whole competition as a 14-year-old against, you know, experienced men in this guitar. Oh, so it's not just for kids. Yeah. Well, that's what I do believe. It was an open competition. Wow, that is cool. That's awesome. And are they all just sort of getting up there and shredding for like, you know, a couple of minutes? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Seeing whoever's and he, and the then shreddiest. He, he yeah. started just going around doing that, winning a lot of competitions. Um, Man, what, what happened to the guitar competition? Yeah, I've never... Bring them back. Never come across that, but yeah, that is a fun idea. Um, the brothers' early influences included bands like Kiss and Van Halen. And according to Jerry Bob, Eddie Van Halen, Randy Rhodes, who was from um, Ozzy Osbourne's band and his own band Quite Right, and Ace Frehley from Kiss were his favourite players. And the first song he remembers his boys playing was Deep Purple's Smoke on the Water. Oh, yeah. 
It's a bam, classic first bam, guitar bam, song. Bam, bam, bam. We can all play it. <laughs> on the old mouth guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Bam, bam. And Dave on the mouth drums. Bam, 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 bam. Drum solo. Mouth drum solo. Oh, oh God. I hit my leg. The rest is history. I won that competition. They left, yeah, they left. Famously left the oh, oh, I hit, I left, I hit my leg uh, in the recording, and um, kids across America still sing those immortal <laughs> yeah. words. Ow, 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 ow! I hit my leg. Oh God! It's there's blood everywhere. Oh, I can see the bone. <laughs> I've got blisters on my fingers, and I hit my leg. Uh, Jerry, Bob, and Norma Carolyn uh, split. Um, when the boys were still quite young, um, so they they lived with their mother. But they, according to Jerry Bob, uh, uh, they would often go around to his place, and he saw that they saw each other as more like friends. Yeah, cool. He talked cool about dad. It. I'm a yeah, cool dad. He, like the interview was like really laying it on hard how he's a cool dad. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, we didn't. You know, we didn't even really have like a father son relationship. We were more like friends. And that's something to brag about, is it? I know. It's I wasn't like that... very good at my key role. Deadbeat dad. <laughs> well, you know, he he taught uh, he taught a Di- uh, Dimebag Daryl how to play guitar. So you know, I mean, Thank wash, you for I that. mean, wash your mouth out. <laughs> how many parents have created Dimebag Daryl? Yeah, good point. I'm so sorry, Jerry Bob, number one. I'm a, a bit annoyed to hear that his birth name is not Dimebag. No, it wasn't. And actually. I I let it slip. I was going to try and um, wait until he actually started calling himself that before I called him that. But it's so ingrained in my head calling him Dimebag that I bloody slipped up like a fool. A fool. Because um, he, in in the majority of, maybe almost half or maybe more than half of the albums they ever released, he went by a different name, which I'll mention. Oh, I don't know that name. Uh, the brothers formed a band in 1981 who were at first called Gemini before changing that to Eternity. Oh wow, they both, both sound good. like um t- types of like rings that predict your mood. Yeah, that is. I mean, that is kind of what metal was in the eighties. Was that kind of vague thing? Dinosaurs, no dragons, and fire and mood rings. I guess I don't know. <laughs> and Stonehenge, Stonehenge, yeah. The big three, four. Uh, That's the big four I was talking about before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mood rings, dragons. Stonehenge, Stonehenge, fire. And fire. Could you have if you had a stab at the big four? Would you be of Thrash? Would you be able to name them? Yeah, I think uh, Slayer. Yes. Megadeth. Yes. Anthrax. Yes. I thought Pantera was the fourth one. Um, well, it's not. It's the one. The one that I assumed you everyone would. Oh, get. Metallica. Yeah, Metallica. Of course. Fuck. Well done. Thank you. I'm. I apologize. A- Anthrax for is that often the one that's the, the forgotten one. Because they were on the everyone else from the West Coast, I think. They were the only like New New York, if I'm right. Right. I, I always thought Pantera was part of. So they're heavily influenced by those. Heavily four. influenced. So, so they, they were later. forming in a similar kind of time, but they didn't get. They they started off in quite a separate side of things. Gemini and Eternity gives you a bit of a clue to the kind of band they were. They were more of that hair metal. They were influenced by yeah, Van sure. Halen and Kiss and Anthrax, those sort of bands. Slayer, Eternity. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um. But apparently someone someone suggested to Vinnie Paul, as he tells it, they said, oh, 
got this this um I think it was based on the name of a car, Pantera, and it's Spanish for Panther. <laughs> <laughs> so he he's like I, <laughs> He took that he took the name of the band, apparently they all they all they liked it. So it's a cool band name. It's way better than Eternity. Yeah. yeah. Big time. Do you reckon you would like them if they were called Eternity? Would they be in your top three? I d I don't know. Would you be embarrassed to say What's hard? Their favorite band is called Eternity. The way I got into them was um, at the time I was in like I would have been sixteen or something like that, and um, and I, I was writing a Californian punk at the time. You know that sort of poppy punk like Pennywise and um, and uh, No Effects, No Effects, and Sublime, and and Aussie bands like Body Jar and Friends of Rome and stuff. So I was like writing to that and had a pretty narrow view of it all. And then I was at I was at a party and I, I was saying my friend was telling me all all my close mates at school were in a metal. And I'm like, I just, I don't see it. I don't quite get it. And um, one of my mates, Paul, goes, all right, come with me. And we're at his, uh, a friend's house. And he took me into this other room and he put on a CD. It was um, the Pantera's 1992 album. And he put the headphones on me, played track, I think it's track four, This Love. And I listened to it and I was like, oh, I get it. Since and I, I went out and bought the album the next day. And I reckon within a month I'd bought all their whole back catalogue. Um, yeah, it was like a really quick transition. That was a big influential moment. Yeah, it really was. I, it's one <laughs> of those few moments where I've never heard anything like this before. Yeah, I don't know. That was the, that was the song that got me into him. Anyway. So he just sat you down and said, listen to this. Yeah, basically. It was like a cliched movie I know, moment. I wonder how many times he did that to friends and it just didn't work. For <laughs> yeah. you, it was like, yep, I get it. I'm in. I'm in. I re- yeah, I reckon, I've, I, you know, and you, you build up memories in your head, but I, I'm like, in my mind, my mouth opens and I'm just like, whoa. Well, and like your hair was just like blown back yeah. by speaker stacks. Yeah. And then realized that there was, someone had accidentally turned on a big fan. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so they, they took the name Pantera. And in the early in the early years, they, were, they wore classic glam and hair metal kind of clothes like um, leather and um, uh, lycra. And studs, and right, you know, it's like a t- real teased hair. up hair, yeah. heaps of hairspray. Um, they, you know, really wore their influences on their sleeves. Um, and they, pe- people talk about those early albums um, not very super favorably. They're sort of like pretty average versions of that style of music. Do you listen to those too, or do you? Is there a time where you? Start uh, out? Not, not really. They're sort of with them. It's almost like it's it's almost like you could almost compare it to Star Wars. Like there's the the prequels, but these were just released in actual chronological order. Right. Yeah. And they're they're all, they're basically they're very derided in the by the fans and even within the band. But I'll talk about that soon. Um. So they 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 had a few initial lineup changes. Um. But then they settled on this lineup uh, for the 1983 release of their debut album, Metal Magic. Yes. Mm. Um. Which has some of the funniest cover art that I've ever seen. Um. Let me show you guys. They got a friend to paint <laughs> this picture. I don't know how you'd describe yes. that. It's like Arnold Schwarzenegger holding like a giant weird knife and he's got the face of a demon <laughs> wolfman. It's so good. It looks like a really good high school drawing. Yes, a doodle. Are they, yeah. still, are they still in school? Uh, yeah, they're, they're still they're in their teens at this stage still. Right, so it does look like it looks like a teenage band's. It's age appropriate. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, their friends would have fucking loved it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It looks nude, this beast, but it's wearing a belt. <laughs> There's no pants on there, but it's wearing a belt. 
Wow, it doesn't have genitals. No genitals, no pants. They're a couple of red flags for me. Wow. And do you reckon this is... I don't, I don't know what. Are they just releasing this themselves or have they got like a yes. record label? So this is... They're releasing on their own um, label, which is Metal, metal, metal Magic. Nice. Um, so on this album, the lineup was Daryl on the guitar, going by the name Diamond Daryl. Love oh. it. Yes. Uh, Vinnie Paul as Vinnie Paul. Uh, his classmate uh, Rex Brown on bass, going by the name Rex Rocker. <laughs> oh, Brown is pretty dull. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, Rex is enough. Yeah. It's individual enough. Rex Brown, that's good. You could that's go. Fine. That's Rockstar enough. Rex Rocker. Rex Rocker. Makes me. I love it. Makes me smile. Rex Rocker. And Terry Glaze on vocals. Uh, the album included tracks including Ride My Rocket, Latest Lover, Sad Lover, and Rock Out. Yeah, Ride My Rocket. Ride My Rocket. Oh, man. All the subtleties of a high school band. Mm. Yeah. They followed this up with 1984's Projects in the Jungle and 1985's I Am The Night, all released on the Metal Magic label. And is their dad recording it for And produced by Jerry Bob. That's fucking cool. He's also their manager. Oh, right. Um, so he's, yeah, he's helping, he's just, he's running the show really. Because, I mean, they're underage at that stage, so he's getting them the gigs and all that sort of stuff. And that's, they're, they're eking out a, a, a decent sort of, getting a decent following around the Texas scene, playing a lot of clubs and, and that sort of stuff. Um, they started out playing a lot of covers and then, you know, started building in the, their originals into their sets from these albums. Um, following on from I Am The Night, the metal world was changing direction. Um Pretty broadly, and in 86 and 87, huge albums were released by the big four bands of thrash. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so annoyed at myself for going out. Which uh, Dave already mentioned, Metallica, Slayer, Anthrax, and Megadeth. Uh, And Pantera were looking to move into a heavier direction, um, and vocalist Terry Glaze left the group. Um, So so they were listening, um, different members were listening to different releases of those albums. Um, The brothers were right into Metallica early. They said they they saw them in in their earliest days in small shows. Mm. They were right up the front watching Metallica play. Anyhow. What is Terry Glaze doing now? Do you know? uh, He went on to have, you know, moderate success with other other bands. But, Uh, yeah, he, he... To me, he sounds like a bricklayer. Yeah, it's probably... Did you go on to have moderate success as a bricklayer? As a bricklayer, yeah. Yeah. Terry, uh, a window glazer. Thank you, yep. <laughs> well, sure. Um, so they were, they were looking to move in this heavier direction and without uh, glaze they needed a new vocalist, right? So many, they tried out many replacement singers uh, and they had a three-year break trying out different singers, playing different gigs before Phil Anselmo was given the gig. Right, three years is a long time. Mm. Uh, two years younger than Daryl, Phil was the youngest member of the group. Um, in 1988, Pantera released their first album with Anselmo. Anselmo. I, I feel like I've never had to say his name out loud. Anselmo. Uh, titled Me- Power Metal. Power Metal. Power Metal. Uh, while still holding on to uh, many of their old hair metal roots, this was their, easily their heaviest album to date. And I listened to it a few times the other night for the first time in ages. And it is... I. Quite like it. It's still pretty kind of hated on all those first four albums. Um, I've seen as a, a bit of a joke, but right. I reckon you can hear the progression as they go, and um, I think it's I think it's a, a good album anyway. But um, 
Others uh, definitely disagree. Is it that. like because power metal is now a, is it considered a genre? Is it actually power metal? No, it's not power metal. It's, it, it's like it's can't, it's somewhere between that hair metal style, that glam rock style that they were, and moving towards that more the power groove style that they ended up basically inventing the the groove metal style of, of, of their nineties albums. But you can it fit it fits perfectly between the album before and the follow up album. Um, yeah, it's a it's a clear stepping stone between the two. Hmm. Uh, so, but yeah, I think I think it's a, a, a good album. Um, and this was their final self released album, and also their last working directly with old man Joe Bob, good friend and and father yeah. and father. Yeah, but good friend and average father. Yeah, friend first, father second. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't want I don't want to cast aspersions on him like he was some sort of dad character. Ooh. Audio engineer third. Yeah, it was more of a like a. Uh, Rory and um, Rory's mum from that show combo. Why can I not think of the name of the show? But I can remember Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls. Lorelai. Lorelai. Oh, I was thinking of Ali McBeal. Ali McBeal. That's who I was thinking of. Ali McBeal and Rory. Yep. Uh, the fourth self. Do you reckon there's many podcasts that are all about Pantera that are also talking about Rory Gilmore and Lorelai? Um, probably. I reckon there'd be seven. Good to be in the top seven. Yeah, we're number seven, bringing up the rear, but that's that's the good thing about there being only seven. You're definitely in the top ten. Yep, easy. <laughs> uh, the four self-released albums from the 1980s were never re-released after their initial runs, and I think they, I think I read there there were runs of about a thousand copies. Something right, like and are they available now on things like iTunes and Spotify and stuff like that? No. Or are they like that's not really us? Yeah, they it's basically been deleted from their history. It's unofficial. It's not canon, sort of thing. Right, but wow. feels like they should have changed the name there. <laughs> Yeah, no, that does feel like that would have made some sense, right? It's, I found that interesting. But they were like, this name is so sweet, yeah. we just can't drop it. We can't That's top it. it. I mean, it means panther in Spanish. <laughs> Pantera. Um, so, yeah, the, those old, they are still floating around. If you want to buy them, you're looking on eBay for a thousand plus bucks. Seriously? Yeah. To listen to an album that probably sucks. Yeah. I guess so. It's just. I guess it's. It's all about um, scarcity in the market or whatever. Yeah, the trough of no value that Nick Mason spoke about on the Marvel. <laughs> yeah, or the Superman. Mm. Was that? Uh, so yeah, they basically disowned them. Even their website, the official Pantera website, on their discography page does not show them. Oh wow! Okay. That muscle man with no penis is not <laughs> on their official That's website. Um, excuse me, that muscle wolf man. Muscle wolf man w- with no penis. Yes, but a belt. But a beautiful belt. Uh, yeah, I, and I, you'd have to assume that a lot of that has got to do with the change in musical direction. They also now have funding and maybe they can better realise the sounds that they want to do and they're getting closer to w- what they were trying to do, maybe. Or however, they've described it in different ways in interviews, but they, they don't talk about the old stuff very much. Um, according to Vinnie Paul, after they finished Power Metal, they looked at themselves and said, you know what? These fancy clothes and all this crazy hair ain't playing music for us. We are. So we decided to drop the image and focus more on the music and kick as much ass as possible. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Hell yeah. As uh, Vinnie Paul would say, the change happened quickly and everyone involved seemed to kind of take the credit for the change in direction. Um, Vinnie Paul kind of just did then. Uh, according to Jerry Bob Abbott, he received the following advice from a relative stranger who worked in the music business, the man said, your band is too good. It does too many things well, and it's too diversified. They need to decide what they want to do, do that one thing, 
and somebody major will sign this band. And according to Jerry Bob, <laughs> you are, this podcast is too good, by the way. We need to tone back we that cover goodness. Too many facts. Too much. We have too many jokes. Too many. Too much personality. Yeah. We need to pick ba- one. Beige. That's my personality. Beige. Beige. And I, I'm going to get this band signed. Beige. Beige. It's a, I love. It's just a great in the return. This girl was like, "You're too. You're the best." If anything, you're too good for humans to hear. Yeah. And we were like, you know what? Tone it down for our dumb ears. He's got a point. And this is how he responded. He said, I thought enough of what he said to tell the boys. They all smiled, looked at each other, and each one of them knew exactly what they wanted to do. And that's what you hear on the next album, Cowboys from Hell. So he's Oh, very good. He's saying, I got a little advice, and I was the one who told him, and that made them go, yeah, yeah, we're going to change direction now. Because of what that stranger said to you about us being too good. So he was happy to take the credit. Vinnie Paul sort of has. But also was singer Phil Anselmo uh, stating in a 2010 interview, I showed them the fucking path, man. (laughs) (laughs) My favourite telling of the story so far. Yeah. Describing a time he played a Slayer song on vinyl for Daryl in 1988. According to Phil, by the end of the song, Daryl was like, damn, son, that's badass. (laughs) So right there and then, I had really broken some headway, according to Phil. So he was—he changed his mind with a with a bit of Slayer vinyl. Right. I wonder if your friend who showed you Pantera in the first place would retell the story a different way. I'd love to. Yeah. Basically, my friend came in and said, "I don't like any good music," and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, I'm just going to sit him down," and I blew his mind. Well, I kind of—I mean, that's kind of how I told the story. And then though. I said to him. You're too good for this party. <laughs> you got to leave this goddamn party. Yeah. And I said, you're right. You have a lot of friends in the South, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, I assume that you first had Pantera, the Texas band in Texas. Oh, uh, it was in the South suburbs of Melbourne. Mm. Texas. Texas. The Texas of Melbourne. Texas tea, which is oil, not relevant to anything, but a fun <laughs> fun little phrase there. Fun thing to say. Now, Texas tea. In the old podcast, that would have been good, but there's too many facts. <laughs> Black gold, Texas T. Scale it down. Okay, great. You've got to be less good. <laughs> yeah, less good. Less good. I'll do my best. I'm oh. doing my part. Jess <laughs> is very subdued over there. I am struggling. Luckily, we're doing a topic that she's finding fascinating. And no, luckily, and I, it's really interesting. And she knows a lot about Pantera, so and she's I holding love, back her own facts. No, but I love Matt's knowledge and passion. It's it very is exciting. Cool. It, it, I'm also just eyeing off this chair and heater that are next to me that are blocking, kind of blocking my exit to the door in case there is a vomit situation. Is it ha- Should we get the bucket? <laughs> it's been a long time since Fetch the bucket At least that was like in the old studio Where you had to run down two flights yeah. of stairs Yeah, this is straight across I'm the straight, bathroom yeah, I'm close yeah. And if that happens, please do continue Should we lift the seat me. in advance? Uh, no, I can probably do that I'd Oh, okay yeah. One of the Just the one she's sitting on? Yeah We'll one carry of you to the, the vomits door. today I did not have time to lift the seat oh, As in like the, the one in the cover? cafe? Yeah did he? Uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, too was much anyone else like around? Like, were people like eating their eggs and bacon uh, and they get just No, the toilets were separate enough. So Thank God. Uh, it was awful. 
It's not been a good day. Did you eat anything at the cafe after? No, I I had a bite of toast, thinking just some plain toast might help, and a peppermint tea, so that would settle my tongue. That's a great combo. And I took one bite of toast and was like, excuse me, and went straight to the bathroom again. Excuse me, there's something wrong with this toast. It's making me vomit. (laughs) I mean, yes, I vomited five times before I had a bite, but... But it's your fault and I shan't be paying. If you can't stomach dry, plain toast, then I think something's gone wrong. You're fucked. Um... Allow me to do go on. Uh, Vinnie Paul also disagreed mm. with uh, with the others, saying that you know, in he certainly with Phil saying that he was the one who oh, brought Paul. him, yeah, brought him to the heavier sound. Uh, this is what Vinnie Paul said because a lot of people have said because in part because the timing also of them changing direction. Phil comes in, they take a little step towards this sound, and then the next album is when they're sort of seen as, as starting this this new thing. Even though it's, it's it's not miles away from the one before, but when Phil gets there, this is when they do mm. tend to get heavier. But So a lot of people do um, correlate the two things. But anyway, this is what Vinnie Paul says when people suggest that. He says, a lot of people think that Phil was the driving force behind the heaviness, but that's not true. My brother wrote the guitar riffs. I wrote the drum parts. We were fans of that kind of music. Right. Okay. Pretty strong terms there. Yeah. He never said... Um, he never said anything like, I showed them the fucking path, man. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm, I'm on that guy's team. You won't be when you hear more about him later. But um, little sizzle there. Oh, no. I picked the wrong one again. I already don't like him because his name is Phil. <laughs> he doesn't sound like a rock star, does he? Yeah, Phil, Phil the Phillip. rock star. <laughs> what happened to Rex Brown? Get him back in the band. Hi, I'm Phil. What do you do, Phil? I'm a rock star. A, I show people the fucking path, man. Okay, Phil. All yeah, right, Phil. here's all the other cool rock stars in my band. Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Ian. <laughs> Ian on keyboards. <laughs> Phil, we'll give you the login for our accounting software yeah. and maybe just, just let us do the man. bloody rock and roll, mate. <laughs> Phil. Uh, Rex Brown, you'll be happy to know, is, is he? He never left. It was Terry Glide. Terry, who left. <laughs> Terry. <Yeah. laughs> well, don't worry, guys. We replaced Terry with someone who sounds at least sounds like a rock star. Welcome, Phil. Phil. <laughs> I never really thought about that. It was Daryl, Terry, Vincent, <laughs> Vincent, and Rex. Rex, oh, Rex is the Rex, only one. Rex Rocker. Rex. Rex Rocker. Or did he go back to Brown later on? He went back to Brown later as well. Yeah. Um. So over this new direction in sound um, and image was locked in uh, sort of towards the late 80s um, and they were maturing as a band and despite having their new album Cowboys from Hell written and and demoed, uh, they were having no luck with major label interests. According to Vinnie Paul, um, every major label had rejected them 23 times. Feels very specific and I'm sure that was him being... Uh, doing that exaggerating thing. What's that word where you do things? Hyperbole. Hyper- he was being hyperbolous. Hyperbolic? Hyperbolic. Hyperbolic. There we go. Nailed it. Uh, while this was going on, Daryl, and you're the hungover one. I know. While this was going on, Daryl was invited to audition with thrash metal legends Megadeth. Um, really? According to Vinny, Megadeth frontman Dave Mustaine actually offered him the job. Why don't we call name? our band Death? No, no, no. It needs to be bigger. Big death? No. Bigger. <laughs> Huge death. Well, not that big. Mm. Ultra death. Oh, that's not bad. That probably exists. As that's an probably area. better than what we are going to choose, which is mega death. Mega death. Uh, I, like, I like the name. Anyway. No, I do the, too. It's the, just fun to pull them apart sometimes. The singer's yes. name is 
Dave. Dave, yeah, Dave, Dave Mustaine. Mustaine. Oh, I thought it was Dave Mustang. I was going to say that is a fucking <laughs> That's name. That's great. Hey, guys, I'm Dave Mustang. You, do you know anything about Dave Mustang as a, an aside? No, please. Tell he me. was he was uh, an early member of Metallica. He was booted, uh, and Kirk Hammett came in to replace him from Exodus, another one of the big thrash metal bands, um, who Pantera actually toured with later on. But so, so there's a lot of um, moving movement around different mm. bands, but he he never really forgave him, Dave Mustaine. Even though he formed a band that sold really well, So like <clears throat> maybe the second second or that'd be obviously top four, but probably top two or three selling metal bands of all time. Um, but he's never really lost that chip on his shoulder. He still there was a, a documentary about Metallica a few years ago called a few years ago called um, some kind of monster, mm, yeah. and he was featured in it. And you could tell he had not moved on despite so much success. Wow. And instead of being the you know one of the guitarists and not the front man of this band, he moved on to be the main man in this band that was so successful, and he still hasn't been able to get over. It's a bit. Bit sad, really. He's got yeah. so many classic, influential albums of his own, written all with his own, you know, at his own. Yeah, that's hand. that's crazy, isn't it? It's like, well, they prob- Metallica may not have been what Metallica is if you hadn't left, and Megadeth certainly wouldn't be if yeah. you hadn't yeah. left. So it's all good. Yeah, it feels like it's win-win. Um, mm. And he, yeah, he just he just thought he was roughly done by being kicked out. He was a, like he drank too much, and he's I think he sort of accepts that he was trouble at the time, but he thinks they should have. Try to look after him and bring him back into the oh, band right. rather than just cutting him loose. Yeah, um, but yeah, he's a, he's a fascinating character, um, and uh, yeah, a, a metal legend. Please they don't must cut come. me loose. This is a, I won't do this again. I'll, do you do you like how he, he also came up with the name Megadeth? I don't know if this is hundred percent true or not, but I I believe it's so that they would be right next to, but just in front of Metallica at CD. Oh, right, shops. Oh yeah. wow. I don't know if that's true or it's coincidental, but it feels like a big coincidence if that's not the case. M-E-G rather than M-E-T. I love when people think marketing like that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's why they went with mm. Mega instead of um, Super Big Death. <laughs> what about Metal Death? Metal Death. That'd be cool. That's pretty good. That's that's even closer to Metallica. Yeah, that would have been touching. What about a Metallica? No, that would be in the A section. Exactly. <laughs> They're number one. A A A A Metallica. Yeah, get it, get it in nice and early. <laughs> we really sucked in. Yeah, because people, people in the shopping for metal obviously start at the at the top of the CD section. Um, the, with the offer, uh, the offer of joining Megadeth. And were they popular yet, or were they just starting out? Megadeth? Yeah, no, they was they were already already a pretty big band. Like, um, so they they'd already released big um, um influential albums by that stage. So they they were. It would have been a big, well-paid job because as well as being offered the job, it would have come with health insurance, a Nike endorsement or Nike endorsement, and obviously a, a lot of money. Wow. Megadeth had a Nike endorsement? Yeah, I'm it? more impressed with health insurance. Yeah, that is cool. I mean, in America, that is a That's huge so deal. That's so grown up. It's, it is very grown up, and I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of people in America don't necessarily get that, but if you yeah. join, obviously, if you join a thrash metal band, that's... That. That's what you're going to get. You know when parents are like, oh, I really just hope my kids take a steady job in, yeah. in thrash metal or something that will pay the bills. Yeah, Don't chase have, your dreams. Dimebag, does it have benefits? Well, actually, yes. Well, you know, Dimebag is very different because his dad was his mate. Yeah, and, right. uh, they, you know, He did not have a father figure. 
Yeah, so it's like giving that advice. Does it come with sweet times? Woo woo woo! Uh, so so Daryl was offered this gig, guitaring, guitaring. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Yep, guitaring for Megadeth. Um, but he was loyal to his brother, and he said he would only join Megadeth if they also wanted to hire his brother as well to, dr- the dr- to do the drumming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was the the real drummer of Megadeth was like, "Uh, what?" Yeah, that, there was already a drummer, so that was so there was no position, so he said he said he wouldn't join. Also, I want to be the singer and I want to write the songs and I want the band to be called Pantera. <laughs> <laughs> but can we still get that Nike deal? Yeah. And the health insurance? <laughs> I really need that health insurance. And the money. Um but uh, this personal sacrifice by Daryl meant that the rest of the band really attacked things with a new focus. They're like, well, oh, he, he's he's giving up mega death, then we really right, have to yeah. make this work. Let's give him mega life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in 1989, the band finally caught a bit of luck due to a hurricane. A rec- <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I just wish that sentence stopped there. They caught a bit of luck due to a hurricane. Well, that is, I mean, that you could finish the sentence there. Please do. But, um, but would you like me to? In 1989, the band finally caught a bit of luck due to a hurricane. Amazing. Next amazing. paragraph. <laughs> but, yeah, due to a, due to a hurricane, this, this uh, big, big news uh, when a record executive named Mark Ross had to take an unplanned stopover in Dallas due to the weather. Oh. He asked his boss if there was anything useful he could do while he was there and his boss told him he'd been following this unsigned band named Pantera and asked Mark to go check them out and see if they were any good live. Mark's another name that's not very rock star. Yeah, he's Mark Ross. His full name is Mark. Rock on, Mark. (laughs) Mark, we've got a couple of bongos. You any good on those? Ian, give him the keys to the bongo drawer. (laughs) Oh, Mark, you got skills, mate. Uh, <laughs> my well, favorite. Yeah, that, one of the one of their first songs was the Full House theme. Give it a ba-ba-dow. Is that what you're singing? Yep. Sure was. Do go on. Did you see Arnie Donner recently um, yes. met Bob Saget yes. from Full House? <laughs> I did two podcasts with him. What a life that That's is. That's so good. I mean, I just... bet they have a Nike deal and health insurance. Didn't. Terry Jones from Monty Python, go and see them on their and last Eric tour. Yeah, Eric oh. Idle and um, Dylan Moran as well. Dylan Moran, yeah. <laughs> they just hang out with the big wigs now. Oh, yeah. what legends. They're too cool for us now. Yeah, no doubt about that. R.I.P. Yeah. R.I.P. It's nice knowing you. Not being cool. <laughs> uh, so Vinnie Paul had spoken to so many execs that he didn't get his hopes up when Mark called. Mark called him and said, are you playing tonight? Um, and Vinnie Paul said... This is Vinnie Paul quoting himself years later. Well, dude, we're not really playing a gig tonight. We've got a birthday party that we're playing for this chick at a Mexican restaurant in Fort Worth. <laughs> Feel free to check it out. So cool. And the record exec's like, wow, these guys sound like they've really hit the big time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to go check them out at this 21st at a Mexican I'm restaurant. <laughs> so they were playing in the corner of a Mexican restaurant in front of about 40 people. So for them at that not stage, bad. even for them it was a, a small... Show they were playing on the floor in the corner, in the corner, and they were like, I hope you enjoy your burrito. This song's called <laughs> Mexican Cowboy Death. Dun, 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 dun. That's good. I... Do they have a song called Mexican Cowboy Death? No, oh, oh missed opportunity. Missed, not they never recorded one anyway. I'm sure there was probably, yeah, early on. There's a demo of that somewhere. Uh, around four songs in, the vibe was strange. 
and they they say that it was a bit of a weird vibe. There was everyone was a bit drunk. Cake was flying around everywhere. The floor was slippery due to so much cake. So they were <laughs> they were watching their step. They were you know because they were worried about slipping over. Uh, about four songs in, uh, the exec just walked out, um, and Vinnie Paul remembers singing. He goes, "Well, there goes our big shot again." And about four songs later, though, the exec comes back in. Um, and after the set, Vinny asked him, he goes, what did you think, dude? And uh, he said, I loved it. It was incredible. <laughs> so Vinny says, well, why'd you leave, dude? And he said, I went out to the car to call the boss and tell him we're signing you guys. Oh, wow. Dramatic. That is so cool. Very cool. I'm really well told by Vinny Paul. He absolutely nails that story. He uh, nails everything. Yeah. He showed them the fucking path. No, that's Phil. That's Phil. Oh, yeah, sorry. But Phil was performing at the Mexican restaurant. He was, that's yes. true. Yeah. Hey, guys, welcome to the Mexican restaurant. I'm <laughs> Phil. Oh, boo. Oh, boo. Fuck off, Phil. <laughs> the birthday girl was her favourite band. She, it was a special request. That's cute. Was it her favourite cake that was flooding the floor? Yes. God. Of course it what was. a waste of cake. It's the dumbest question you've ever asked. God, Dave. And a long list of dumb questions, oh, Dave. The list Dave. is so long. Dave. Dave. Imagine Dave in a band. Yeah, Dave Mustaine. Dave Grohl. Imagine. That's ridiculous. Crazy. Uh, Now with the financial backing of a major label, Pantera went into the studio to record the album that they see as their official debut. This is the one that is actually listed on their website's discography. Right, right. Is it still the they stick with the cowboy title? Yeah, Cowboys from Hell. Um, It's a great title. It's an idea that so apparently Vinnie Paul came up with that name. He liked the idea of that. Phil thought it was a bit lame, um, but they but they wrote a song around that name, and that was the opening track. Yeah, uh, Mexican Cowboy Death. There's also for people, including you two, saw me at my Melbourne Comedy Festival show. That was the song I came out to on stage at the start of the show. Was Cowboys from Hell. Oh, my other leg! God damn it! I'm not a very good drummer. Thank God you didn't play drums. Oh, gosh. You have no legs left. I'm a really good brother, but a terrible drummer. Sure. We'll have to check with your sister on that one, to be honest. Sorry, I was being Vinny. Right. He's great. Great brother. Terrible drummer. Terrible. He hurt so many injuries. Yeah. Always bloody banging away on them legs. After the album was released on July the 24th, 1990, they hit the road performing around 300 shows on the first run of their tour, which is, you know, pretty hectic in a van, um, building up a following with word of mouth. And around this time they toured uh, supporting Exodus and Suicidal Tendencies in America and Judas Priest in Europe. Um, I think their, their manager set up the the tour with suicidal tendencies and Judas Priest though um they were doing the, doing a show in a, in a town in America and Rob Halford from uh Priest the front man was there and they go you got to come up and play with us and they go and and, and he goes what well, do you know any priest songs and they're like fucking do we know any priest songs and then they just went up and played Bunch of priest songs. He what? did almost the whole set with them. He just, just because he was at their gig. Yeah, and then he ended up taking them on tour in Europe. Apparently, they found it really tough in Europe because no one knew them over there. And you know, um, metal crowds can be um, pretty rough to support acts when they 
mm. don't know them and stuff. I remember seeing uh, Metallica a few years back and the support band was this cool um, rock band from New Zealand called the Datsuns. I don't know if you know them at all. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good name. And they and the crowd, they were, they were just, the crowd at the front were just booing them. Oh, no, the, towards the back. It was at um, the Maya Music Bowl and they were just booing fingers up in the air the whole time. It's like... What? Why? So yeah, this is real tough. (laughs) And the 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 front man from the Datsuns, I I loved it because he says a lot of the abuse was coming up from up on the hill, and he he kept going. Sorry guys, I can't hear you from the cheap seats. It's a real real fun little little gentle ribbing back. Love that. Love that. Exodus are great. They they, that's the band I was talking about before. Who um, they've had so many lineup changes. I saw them about ten years ago. They were still real good. But Suicidal Tendency is one of my my favorite bands, I reckon. They've like they wrote out so many different. They kind of followed my my taste a bit. They were that Californian punk thrash mm. into the heavier stuff, and they've they've gone down all these different paths. What a journey they've been on! What um, a journey! I wear a suicidal tendencies hoodie sometimes, and I I forget that those words mean other things. That, oh right, the people that might not know the band. I'll be wear like, like I wear it in a job interview or something, and people are like you. Okay? Okay, mate. Why are you wearing a hoodie to a job interview? Oh, I'm a fucking badass. That was their main. They didn't look yeah, at the words. Not, they so. looked at the hood. I was like, really? Yeah, so? that was like probably a bad example. Mate, it's been? summer. Take it off. It was the the um the interview was for being um the company badass. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, you got the job. Yeah, thank you. Uh, who's ready to get a warm head at any moment? <laughs> Yeah, smart. Yeah. It's a very niche role, but I bloody grabbed it with both hands. Show them the fucking path. I'm gonna um you keep going. <laughs> I'm just gonna step out real quick. Why? No reason. Um Oh well, while you're gone, I'll just tell Dave a funny little anecdote that I have here that doesn't really fit in anywhere. Perfect. Um, Go for it. <laughs> she is leaving the no studio. She plays it so cool. She took her headphones off. I thought she was just getting some air for her ears. Yeah. You know when your ears get real hot? Oh, yeah. Dave, you want me to tell you a little anecdote? I'd love to hear a little anecdote. From the, from the road. So the from the road? From the road. Um, your days on the road with well, Exodus. Well, Pantera's days sorry, on the road. Sorry, sorry Forget mate. that you're not in the road. No, I'm not in the road. Um, so the first time they went to Canada, they got to the border uh, and Daryl was driving and uh, Phil tells this story. He says, the border control guy asked him uh, nationality and Daryl replied, uh, I guess regular. <laughs> <laughs> and they apparently they were like, well, that someone doesn't quite add up here. So they 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 made him um, drive to the side and they did a full search of the <laughs> they thing. They searched the car <laughs> and they, because you said regular. <laughs> they found traces of cocaine and weed. Oh, <laughs> um, well, this guy is off his chops. We got to search the car. Um, regular. <laughs> But yeah, apparently there was, it was only traces, so they ended up um, they couldn't charge them, so they were allowed to go through. <laughs> um, in in Moscow, this is I don't know if you've heard of this. It, there used to be a big um, uh, festival circuit um, called the Monsters of Rock, uh, big outdoor uh, festivals. Right. So across Europe, is it? Yeah, across Europe. Um, through I think it was through America as well. But this one in particular, they didn't play that many of them, but they played this one that I've seen footage of so many times, and I never really knew what it was about. Um, I always thought it was this, I'd heard it was this huge, um, it was like bringing rock music to the Soviet Union. But I think I've read that there were gigs prior to this. It was the first big outdoor 
right, a like rock huge concert. Yeah, of, well, like, with multiple acts or multiple acts, including Pantera. Um, but only at that stage, they'd only released Cowboys from Hell. You know, as an official big release. But they were supporting Metallica and ACDC. Whoa, what a that is lineup that is. And there's I've, I read so many varied reports of it, some from the time and some from um, looking back. Yeah, of course, people are like, it was so good. Now. And the, but the numbers I've seen footage and it looks like you could tell me any number and I'd believe you. But I've seen some say it's around one hundred fifty thousand from reports at the time. I've also seen reports saying one point five million. What? Well, how do you vary a number that much? The people on the door just lost control of the little clicky thing for the counting yeah. people. Hang on. Was that 10,000? Was that 100,000? Man, it's gone back to the start. Is that a... This only goes up to 1,000. Oh, how many times have I hit 1,000? Was it 1,000 or was it only 100? Oh. Uh, oh, well, just write down between 150 <laughs> and 1. 1.5 million. The footage is, is great. There's um, just so many people, such a cool thing. And it was filmed with a massive film crew. And I re- and I've I always thought it was this cool independent sort of thing, but it, obviously it wouldn't have been. It must have been so much effort to put it on, and it was backed by I think Time Warner or something like that. And they filmed it and released a documentary about it, like a feature length doco about it. Uh, Just about the whole gig. Yeah, and there were um, uh, the footage of the security, like the Soviet security with big truncheons and just like hitting. It was like stay back. <laughs> a wild, wild show, but it, um, and I. I how they got onto that at such an early stage is pretty incredible. And are they getting a good reception or are they getting flipped off? And told no, I think, to? yeah, though, I think at that point, um, Russians were like, how cool is this that, um, that we're right, able to, yeah, that this music coming, that yeah. they were, must have been recently listening to kind of in, in private. Um, yeah, right. It's probably, yeah, previously contraband and now they're doing a huge gig. That's cool. Yeah. So it's, that's um, that's that's pretty great. And they're friends with both Metallica and Megadeth, despite this rivalry. Uh, well, yeah. Then there's sort of rivalry. There's sort of egos and rivalries in each direction. Um, and I think they sort of get on in different ways. But you hear different people telling different stories. It feels like a very bitchy sort of scene. There's a <laughs> so lot funny of for something that like presents itself as so tough. Yeah, it's often a lot of hurt feelings yeah. and egos being bruised and stuff like that. And we came up with this. You've ripped us off and. Um, yeah, it's pretty fascinating. It'd be make for a great. Um, it would ruin all the mythos of it, but uh, having like a reality TV show about these guys. Oh yeah, like which is basically what some kind of monster was for Metallica. They they took no control over the cut or anything. I think Metallica and it really showed them to be not really connected to reality that much, and kind of making really weird, lame decisions. And they had this guy, this therapist, come in. Wearing like real classically sort of dad sweaters, and he was he was trying to heal them, you know, bring them back together inside Metallica. And then he was getting so comfortable because he was there with them every day. They would show him he would be there at recording sessions, sort of like bopping along. And then there was this one scene where he, he's written a few words on a thing, and he's given it across suggested lyrics. <laughs> and he's their therapist. <laughs> he's not even a music guy at all. You should <laughs> say he's like the, he's exactly what you'd picture like a middle aged therapist. Wearing dad sweaters and you know glasses and just so funny, just like um, and I, I think they fired him soon after. He was getting a bit too com- comfortable, but I yeah. love that. Love that. Welcome love back, it. Jess. Thank you. How was it? Fine. You feeling all right? Sure. Feeling better now. <laughs> nah. <laughs> oh no. I'm sorry to laugh there, but that was. You could argue quite insensitive. Nah, it's fine. 
I didn't throw up. I'm okay. You didn't? No. I want to, but I didn't. You look good. Yeah. yeah. I feel great. Good on you. Thanks, man. Um, Basically, we've just had a little chat about Metallica. Great. Well, you've been gone. I can't wait to listen back. <laughs> um, so back to Pantera. Critically and commercially, they went from strength to strength from here, from the early, their early 90s um, Cowboys from Hell release. Their follow-up album was 1992's Vulgar Display of Power, which is the album that my friend Grasby played me at that party. Oh, right, right. And this album is seen by many to be their masterpiece. Um, though a lot of their albums through the 90s um, are seen as being great in different ways mm. and some that aren't seen as great, like great, I reckon are bloody great. But anyway, um, I think all I love every album they released from, from Cowboys Hell onwards. Some say there was a bit of a drop-off at the end, but... Um, I think it was anyway. Doesn't matter. I'll get to that. Um, so, Vulgar Displays seen as being their masterpiece. Uh, it was their heaviest album to date, uh, and it included the iconic metal track "Walk." I don't know if you know that song. Oh yeah, it's got that riff, doesn't it? Yeah. That'll probably be the only song of theirs I really recognise. Yeah. If you look on Spotify, that would be the one with the most plays. It's sort of the one that would be covered if you go to a metal show and someone wants to pay tribute to. Probably Vinnie Paul at, at current metal shows. I bet it's been played around the world. Yeah. Because um, every metal band would know how to play it pretty much. Um, is it like the opening track? Is that how the album starts? No, the opening track is Mouth for War. Uh, it's the third track on there. And This Love, I've just had a look here, track five. So I've made a bloody fool of myself there. Fucking Hostiles number four. Oh, is it on. called fucking hostile or is it hostile? No, it's called fucking hostile. Oh, right. right. I thought you were like, yeah, yeah. I thought you were just being pissed off. I thought you were it, editorializing yeah. there. It's fucking fucking hostile, yeah. number four. <laughs> fucking hostile. Um, it, yeah, so it went super well, sold really well, and this was them jumping up again from the last one. They also, little things like um, last little bits of, of that 80s style that they had remaining on Cowboys from Hell. There's a few bits, you know, that um, operatic sort of high-pitched, I don't know what the musical term for that is. You know that metal style where they sing that oh, high? Oh, yeah, they're really high-pitched, yeah. Yeah, that like that priest 80s, yeah. sort of style. <laughs> there were still a few moments of that. Bit of deep purple style. A few moments of that on Cowboys from Hell, but um, that was all gone by Vulgar Display. Um, and the album eventually went on to, uh, to become two times platinum in the US and platinum wow. in Australia while also charting in countries like Finland, Austria, and Germany, um, pretty high up in their charts as well. That's crazy. Do you know, do, would you be familiar with the cover art of that album? It's kind of iconic. I, I can show it to you. Does oh, that no, ring no that's one? great. So it's a man being uh, hit in the face with a fist. Yes. Um, like and I, mid-punch. The, I didn't realise this. I'd, I'd heard the story about it, um, how it was done, and I and I realised that there's a, a bit of controversy of how true that all is. Um, so this is the story behind the art. Um, the story I knew, uh, which I've heard told by band members and stuff, was that the record label paid a man $10 per punch until they got the right shot. <laughs> and supposedly the- it took him about 30 or so punches to get it. So he got paid 300 or so bucks. To be punched or to punch? To be punched. Oh, God. Yeah, which sounded like a wild story, but I'm like, all right, it's the 90s, I guess. I don't know what rules were like back then. But a record label? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I read recently that was all bullshit. Um, and, yeah, but I've heard the band repeat that story, so I don't know if they believe it or, or if they just enjoyed the the legend yeah, of it. Yeah, a myth-making. It's a good legend, yeah. 
What a good legend. What a legend. Hey, we paid this idiot 300 bucks to punch him in the face 30 times. And the best part is we got the photo on the first go. <laughs> what a fuck with. <laughs> We're Pantera. <laughs> Means Panther in Spanish. Yeah, they, they come off well. But, I mean, this is the label, right? They weren't doing this themselves. Sure, this sure. Is, it just makes the label feel like this major label, Atco. I don't know. I just didn't sound right. But, no. it, yeah, apparently it is bullshit. Um, and uh, someone tracked down the photographer, Bruce Gucci. Yes. G-U-I-C-E. Gucci. Yes, in a band. Yeah, Brad Gucci. Um, he debunked it saying uh, it was a very rehearsed setup with the fist moving and pushing the model's face hard to achieve the look, but not at all punched. He used a bunch of tricks, including using strobe lighting, a fan to blow his hair, and playing with shutter speed and angles, um, camera angles, to get the shot right. Whatever the truth is, uh, it's bloody iconic artwork. I kind of believe the photographer, though, in this case. Mm, interesting. <laughs> he may have been there. Although, I mean, at the same time, him going, yeah, that's right, I... I photographed a man yeah. being beaten. Doesn't make him <laughs> sound all that right. good either. I don't think you can take 30 punches to the face. No. Yeah, it feels like your be, you jaw would be broken quickly. 30. Yeah, that doesn't sound right. You kill someone. But also you'd be like, I mean, if I'm going to get punched in the face once for 10 bucks, I'd prefer to walk away with 300. Sure, and it's the 90s. And it's the 90s. 300, a that goes money. a long way. Yeah. It goes a long way. Mm. I mean, you'd get punched. It would cost you probably 30, 40 bucks a punch these days. Oh, yeah. easily. Yeah, don't you reckon? Yeah. Carry the two. Uh, <laughs> after the success of after the success of Vulgar Display, the pressure was on with the follow-up album. According to bass player Rex Brown, <laughs> Rex Rocker, the record company was pushing for something like Metallica's Black Album. We were like, no, that's not going to happen. Instead... They once again made their heaviest album yet. And according to Phil, our top priority with Far Beyond Driven was to make a balls-out heavy metal record with no compromising. Uh, this is also the album where Daryl was first billed as Dimebag Daryl, which is the m- moniker he's still known as to so this day. He was Diamond. Diamond. So, so it's, yeah, it's not a huge change, but Dimebag means it's some sort of... Drug term. Yeah. I think it's a certain amount of marijuana. And you got that for a dime, I guess. Yeah, dime. That bag. must have been a long time ago. And a dime is what twenty cents? Fuck! I mean, these are all very easily googled things. <laughs> Ask Jess something about spewing, and I'll look up what no, a dime don't. is. I'm I'm finding it hard to like turn my head to look at you. It's really? making me really dizzy. Oh God! What happens when you look at me? Because uh, you're straight ahead for me, so that's okay. Yeah. Okay. So Matt, I'm not ignoring you. I'm just trying not to throw up. Go towards the light. No. Me. No. Yeah, there's a dime bag and nickel bag is another. <coughs> Let me get a nickel bag. Uh, a dime is uh, 10 cents, 10 cents in the US of A. And a dime bag, according to dictionary.com, is a specified amount of an illegal drug packaged and sold for a fixed price. So according to that, I guess it doesn't necessarily mean it was worth a dime. That does sound cheap. Maybe it started out. That would make sense. Would I'd be believe really that. Small a long amount. time ago. One blade of grass, please. That's how they do it, right? It's blades of grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Understanding. Drugs. You get it. I get drugs, guys. 420 blazes. Yeah, blazing. Blaze, blaze that one blade of grass. All right. 
Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Um, so the, the no compromising attitude that Phil was talking about on the album didn't quite extend to the artwork, uh, according to Vinnie Paul. The original artwork um, idea was metal up your ass. And the artwork <laughs> depicted someone literally copying metal up their ass <laughs> in the form of a big drill bit. So it feels like they've it's sort of somehow, I mean, this is a few years on from high school now. Now they're in their mid-20s, <laughs> maybe even been moving towards their late 20s. Still, still funny. I will um, not compromise. We will not compromise on this. Um, but even though the label agreed initially, they came back three days later and said, uh, we can't get this into Walmart, Target and retail and it's going to kill us. <laughs> so they uh, compromised. We found a guy and said... We'll give you $10 for each drill we put up your ass. And it took 30 drills. But we got the shot. We got the shot. Well, Walmart don't like it. So we've had to take the money off the guy. We told him we don't use any of it. Yeah, you don't get paid for the drill. Paid. But he was confident we'd use it because yeah. it's beautiful. But it's, he's, Oh, he's got a beautiful butt. Target and Walmart, not a fan. They no. don't like drills. <sighs> yeah. thought about a metal ruler. We, yeah. But um, Bunnings, they were willing to take the stock instead. <laughs> Maybe an American equivalent of Bunnings. Some sort of hardware store. Yeah, something Tim Allen was associated with. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Jess. Uh, Tim Allen, if you, I assume that sound meant that you weren't quite no, sure of what me, I was saying. me needing to throw so, up. <laughs> it was funny timing because I was talking about this guy, Tim Allen. Right? Yeah. He was... Um, he was, was huge. He was huge. He was, a, he was a real tall man. Oh. No, it was more like, oh... <laughs> I can't. Just can't make that noise. She might vomit. I might vomit. Oh. <laughs> Not good. Sorry, Bob. I know. I'm sorry. Everyone's, we're all sorry. Oh. I'm sorry you're feeling that way. I know it's the fucking worst. It's, um, I, it's not good. Um, we're, Look, we're beyond halfway. We're far beyond halfway. This album's called Far Beyond Driven, so a little, little plan words nice. there. Nice. Uh, but so they said we wouldn't be able to get into the big retailers. We need to compromise, and they did. They compromised. Um, oh. The the artwork and still instead depicts a drill going to someone's head. <laughs> Better. All right, mate. We've shoved thirty drills up your ass. Got some bad news. <laughs> it's going to have to be your head. We're going to have to drill into your head. Thirty bucks a pop. Is 30 it, bucks, that's It's right. super stylized. I think it's an artist's impression of it, I'm pretty sure. It's a, it's a blue cover and the drill's going straight into the forehead. But it looks sort of like a... It's a pretty cool-looking cover, but, yeah, it is... And Walmart were cool with that? Yeah, that's the interesting thing. I wonder how they would feel about it now. But um, uh, despite all this, the album was uh, released and debuted at number one on the mainstream American charts. That's awesome. Number one. First ever extreme metal album to get to number one. That's and huge. I think arguably still the heaviest album ever to make it to number one. I, 
I don't know if that's even mm. super disputed. It also made number one in Australia, debuted number one in Australia as well. I think Australia is obviously per capita another is one of their biggest sort of support bases. And it made to number two in New Zealand. Wow. Uh, it was a monster hit and is arguably still yeah, the heaviest album ever to chart in Australia and America. I can't. Can chart, you think, surely not chart, but number one. Sorry, number one. Yeah. Can you think of anything else to get that high? Like it seems bizarre to have a, an album that heavy up that high. Right. Well, all of Metallica's go to number one, but they yes. are heavier than Metallica's. They are. Yeah, this album certainly is. Um, they they did get pretty heavy at times, Metallica, but yeah, never as as heavy as this one. Not that there's way heavier music than even in, than this album, but um, yeah, to be number one on the the legit chart, not even the rock chart. It was, yeah. Yes, it was also an, an interesting time for metal because it kind of was. Um, by this stage, Metallica had even they'd sort of dro- basically dropped metal. They were doing playing with sort of alternative rock stuff. Just when sort they of country cut, cut their hair stuff. off and everyone cut their hair, out. yeah, load and reload years. Some people said that they would boycott the band because they cut their hair off. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> metal people are weird. Yeah, they're just intense. I know they, they like it a certain way, and if you don't do it, yeah. they flip the finger off and boo you. Yeah, it's interesting. But it, it was um, sort of grunge was the big thing at the time. Sure, so there of course, was, yeah. Which was kind of a big bas- backlash against that 80s hair metal scene where it was all money and, and um, you know, California sort of bright colours and that mm. sort of stuff. So, they, But, you know, they ended up being, like, if you saw what they wore in those days, it was very grungy looking um, aesthetic uh, Pantera sort of had. Um the album also garnered the uh, the band's first Grammy Award nomination for Best Metal Performance for wow. the song I'm Broken. That's cool. Um, and they lost it uh, to Soundgarden for their song Spoon Man, which is a great song. Spoon but... Man! <laughs> it's a cool song, right? But cool... it's not a metal song. So it's... No, I think often in that category it is just rock bands. <laughs> yeah, it's a confusing category, I think. But it's also like we talked about way back... Um, do we do an Academy Award? Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so in that, do we talk about Grammys? It's a similar sort of idea. The, the Academy Award episode, you talked about how it's like it's mainly middle-aged to old white, white men. men. Um, so if it's similar for the Grammys, which I'm not sure, but I'm kind of assuming it is, then often it does seem to favour older bands and bands get best album awards when it, it – it was probably really being awarded for their album from oh, a few years ago. Yeah, that, from their, mm. from their, their um, it's like, well, you two are a great band. They've yeah. had a lot of uh, success, so let's give them the Grammy for best. Yeah, because we know them. You know, uh, there's yeah. some sort of a lag going on or something. Yeah, it's like okay. Beck won for yeah, best Beck album. One. One so many albums, years after, and uh, the, 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 so many years after, people stopped caring about Beck. <laughs> it's it's a, I think it's a really nice album, but it was kind of like very similar to Sea Change from ten years and earlier. That was his big one, yeah. Sea Change, and like he had this whole period of of quite influential albums but they didn't win anything it was yeah, yeah but i think that that sea change was nominated though or was it right well there you go um they they were nominated three more times for that same award but they never took it out always losing to Soundgarden. spoon uh, man won four years in a row <laughs> amazing spoon man re-release there were like that so, i'm looking through the list there were a lot of songs that were out from different years sometimes it was a live version of a song from years before and yeah, it seems like a weird category. Um, cracks were starting to appear in the band. Um, so they, they really reached the peak and, and this is where things started to slowly fall apart. 
Um, Phil started to become more distance, distant from the band uh, as he started medicating, uh, self-medicating for chronic back pain. Uh, he was abusing drugs like heroin. Told you he was a bad drummer. He mm. hit himself in the back. That's How? hard to do. How? Phil's the singer. I'm not going to tell you again. Uh, well, they all have the same fucking boring name. Vinnie Paul and Phil. <laughs> Good luck, mate. Mate, the only one I can remember. Good luck telling that to a jury. Only one I can remember is Rex Brown. Rex Brown. Yeah, I haven't. I don't. It's funny. He's sort and of. Is he the best player? He's, he's the best reliable. player. Yeah, he's reliable. Yeah. He sounds reliable. He He's sort of the. He, he doesn't play. A, the, the two major warring parties kind of in the band are the brothers who get along great. You know, they're. Some have said that they ne- they were never seen to argue or anything with each other. And Phil on the other side, that was sort of the big two parts. Rex was kind of caught in the middle a little bit. Right. So, so okay, so it's Phil who's got a bad back and he's on heroin. Yes. Um, the first time the rest of the band were aware of this apparently was on July 13th, 1996, when Phil OD'd and apparently his heart stopped beating for about five minutes. Oh, that's too many minutes. Yeah. Um. He was saved by paramedics and he w- woke up in hospital the next day. Um, yeah, this uh, I th- it really does f- seem to have affected him. He looks different. He What, before and after that incident? I don't know about that incident, but like in recent years, obviously people look different, but his face seems different. Like it feels like drugs have affected him badly. And this is my very medical opinion, not based on... Um, you know, obviously, because you, I forget to say it, but my full name is Matt Stewart, MD. Mm. <laughs> You're humble about it. Yeah. Well, the MD stands for mega dick. Um, mega dickhead. Uh, according to Vinnie Paul, that's when the band and him started separating and he started demanding his own tour bus. We'd Oof. see him before the show and then he'd be gone. And you never knew which filly uh, you were going to get. You might get the pit bull that we all knew and loved or you might get some dude who was completely whacked out on heroin. Oh, <laughs> like the, the pit bull was the good him. Yeah. yeah that's that's a, not a good sign. No. Where's the pit bull? We want the pit bull. <laughs> that's... Mr. Worldwide. Is that? Yeah. Yep. Yes, it is. I'm just going to go to the bathroom again. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, I'm just going to breeze through the next couple of albums. Right. Okay, great. Just, just popping out briefly. I can't help but take this personally. I know. Dave, do you think she hates Pantera that much? I think she just hates... Music. Yeah. Life. Uh, right. I haven't even gone into why Phil's a bit of a fuckhead yet. Really? Well, I mean, it, it sounds like you're about to... S- s- he's showing himself to be a fuckhead. Yeah. Um, he's a pit bull on his good days. But, there, but I think he would still... Because I, I think with bands, you know, the the vocalist, the lyricist, they are sort of the direct line into the to the fans. So I think fans will usually instinctively connect most with the singer. So I think that that probably has happened a lot with them as well. Um, but in this case, it's kind of, it's got, it's a bit of like a Van Halen. So they're big influence of Van Halen or Van Halen were a big influence of them. And it's a similar sort of idea, I guess. Like there was the David Lee Roth as the front man and that, but the heart and soul of the band of Van Halen's probably Eddie Van Halen. Van Halen, right. And, yeah. And his brother on drums. Um, so do you feel that that's the same way with Pantera? People always think of it as the, the brothers band well i i don't i don't think so i think i think it probably is divided and things and that, that have might... happened in recent times but i reckon back then maybe 
I think people do think, you know, Phil, he's the one at the front. Right, and but that would probably piss the brothers off because they started it all and it's like their thing. There'd be an element of that, I suppose. And also him and, and people going, he was the one who changed the direction of the band and stuff. Yeah, right. That Sounds obviously like annoyed me a little like, bit. No. But I think it sounds like that isn't really what brought up tensions. What brought up tensions was that Phil um, would go away. He'd, he'd sort of, he was starting to abuse drugs and was distanced from them. At least this is how they tell it. From his side, he says, you know, they, they didn't communicate with him very well. He was always there. Right. If he, They could just call him and, and talk to him. But, um, yeah, I don't know. If he's asking for a different tour bus and those sort of things. Do you reckon he's still putting on a good show, like he's being professional uh, once the gig starts? I'm, I'm going to talk about it soon, um, including um, a show that I was at. Um, but I um, I think... It definitely was a fact, and that's what um, Vinny was talking about there. They didn't know which one they were going to get. That was on stage as well. Oh, right. So some shows he'd kill like, it. He was the yeah. pit bull. I think that's what he means. He'd be, you know, he'd be yeah. he'd be on stage and he'd be right in it, and then other days he'd just be, he'd be sort Off of whacked out. You know, and that's in Vinny Paul's words. Yeah, yeah, wanna... and he is quite a poet. He is. Vinny Paul, rest in peace. I've been watching a lot of Vinny Paul videos lately. He's... He's a very likable character and in an interview or something like that. Bloody hell. Um, so the band forged on um, despite these these troubles were coming up. They kept um, working together um, and they released uh, The Great Southern Trend Kill in 1996, which is probably my favourite album of theirs, I reckon, um, and then uh, Reinventing the Steel in 2000. Uh, both albums charted uh, number two in Australia and number four in America, so they're still selling. Selling. Um, yeah, this is an era where CDs actually sell very well. Exactly. So those, yeah, being charting high actually means something still works. So, so number four now then would sell more than number one now. Yes. So yeah, I reckon that would definitely be true. Um, but despite this, the band was starting to fall apart. Phil uh, was spending more and more time away with his other bands, which he'd formed like through the years. Um, Okay, any they, they, he wasn't forming all now. Uh, Down and Supergiant Ritual are probably the two biggest ones. Down in particular, I don't know if you know no, much about do. them. Um, none, none of them have gone on to be as big as Pantera, but they, they have, you know, big bands. I saw Down supporting um, uh, Ronnie James Dio. Do you know Dio? Yeah, what's his big band? He's, he he came in he after Ozzy. Yeah, right, uh, the Black Sabbath guys. Black yeah. Sabbath, yeah. So I saw um, a Black... Uh, Dio fronted Black Sabbath and Down supported them. It must have been 10 years ago or something as well. Now, back when I was a bloody young buck going is out. Is he dead bands. too? Dio is, yeah. Yeah. Um, he must, yeah. He must have died a couple of years ago now. He's like, he's very revered in the metal world. Yeah, cool. Which is interesting because it doesn't always go that way when a, if you're replacing a legend, that's hard. Yeah, yeah. That, that is cool that he gets credit anyway. It, do, yeah. it doesn't often happen where it, it comes off and, and, yeah, you're still really loved. I think it happened, you know, obviously it happened with ACDC pretty famously. That went pretty yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, they've gone on to, well, their next album was the biggest selling band album of all time. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Back in Black. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, I like when that happens. People like people are able to move on. I think that it's easier for that to happen if if the singer uh, dies, maybe because they're like it's there's no sort of bitterness that oh, right, you, yeah, you shouldn't no have forced them out of the band. Yeah, no one's blaming anyone. Yeah, whereas I think Van Halen, Sammy Hagar found it a bit harder maybe coming in after David Lee Roth. Although Sammy Hagar had some massive hits, but people still would say that. His era wasn't so good. So we're somehow got onto Van Halen now, Bob. 
Jess, is, Jess is back. Very professional. <laughs> How did it go? Oh, I definitely spewed that time. <laughs> you did? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, co- I'm so glad you can confirm it. Yeah. This, this, I hadn't thought about this, but um, I'm what I nearly what I'm about to talk about um, is so relevant to just spewing, or at least spewing. Is it potentially uh, triggering for someone who's going to vomit? No, uh, I, you know when after you spew and you've got a good half hour. Yeah. You, know? you feel good? Yeah. You oh, feel man. a million bucks for like, like half an oh, hour. It was almost like whatever that was was the sole problem was and, in that. And every time you're like, oh, I'm done now. Oh. And then, but then it starts building again. And yeah. You're like, I'm oh. done now. Thank you. <laughs> so That'll be all is, now. Thank you. We've got a really good half hour <laughs> and I'm I'm feeling fine. I am so sorry <laughs> to you, to the listener. Would you believe this is probably? I reckon this would be the most amount of time I've spent on a report um, since I don't know, for a long time. Just because I've I've been really enjoying it, of course. It, but I've spent I, I would have would have spent like almost um, a full time, you know, nine to five week. Yeah. On, oh, wow. <laughs> oh my god! Good and, and this could be the best podcast report ever on Pantera. And it's great. But no, I I, I love that. Um, <laughs> You've been coming in and out of it. <laughs> normally, I think normally we would probably go, let's pause um, now. But for some reason, we're just like, oh, let's just come in and out. She's Yeah, I yeah, think but, that's for the best. But Matt's gone into so much detail that, like, you've, you've only missed a little bit. So it's all good. Yeah. I have been going off script. When we talked about Van Halen. all good. <laughs> I'm not all good. We're just talking about how they've released a couple more albums after their big number one album mm. um, in 96 and 2000, and, th- and they were still selling really well, but the band are, are fracturing quite a bit now. And one- Phil's, Phil's got a couple of his own bands on the side. Yeah, he, he's, so he's, he's off a fair bit, and he actually even recorded the vocals from another state. <laughs> so oh, not wow. So that they're really Does he write, issues. like, his lyrics, yeah. but does he write, like, the melody and stuff? or Like, do they just send him the... The guitar and he just makes it up. I, I think it depends. I think it, it sounds like for the most part the songs come out of the uh, Dimebag's riffs, hmm. the guitar parts. Um, but sometimes some some of their big songs came out of the drum of something Vinnie Paul put together on drums <laughs> and then they'd bass the... Yeah, some of their some of their songs like um, have really um, iconic drum parts. Yeah, that's cool. Primal Concrete Sledge and um, 13 Steps and stuff and that... So the songs get built about around the drums. Primal concrete sledge. Yes. That is like, all right, well, I'll think of a tough word. <laughs> yeah. Primal concrete sledge. I all feel right. like of the three of us, Matt would come up with sledge because it would be like, dash, <laughs> sledge, sledge. We'd go, really? Do you want to go with it? Like, yeah. We get a whiteboard out and someone's going, mm, okay, yeah, sure, Matt, cool. I guess you're involved, so we'll. What else? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's park sledge yeah. for now. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so they're they're splintering, but um, they're still recording. They're still touring, but, but he's off more and more. States. He's yeah, he's moving thing. away, and I'd love for us to do that. To be honest, podcast in different states. Yeah, wow. like a lot of Australian breakfast radio teams do. Yes, yeah. yeah they'll, they'll... How do they do it without the eye contact? I wonder. Yeah, I find that um, hard. Uh, or is it Skype. monitors? Yeah, they see can see oh, each other. Right. It's still kind of hard to like. You know, it's subtle non-verbal communication the... is impossible. Yeah. I mean, I just exactly talked over you when we were in the same room there. So imagine if you weren't in the same room. You could see and hear me speaking. Yeah. Didn't hear a word. Yeah. <laughs> That's why for like phone or interviews can be so hard when you're like you're jumping on yeah. top of each other, especially if people you don't 
you're not used to talking to. Well, my Triple J segment that I do with Jen and Lewis or Veronica and Lewis is either, yeah, it's all, I'm in a TARDIS by myself or a studio alone and they're in Sydney. And so it's a lot of... Ha, oh, <laughs> and you, you can't see ha, them. Ha, 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 oh? Oh? <laughs> or a lot of not sure if you're supposed to talk here, so there's a couple of awkward pauses and I'm like, nah, my turn, nah. <laughs> Do you say that? Nah, my turn. Mm-hmm. My turn now. Just speak. <laughs> Bzz, just. Well, yeah, we've got a system we've figured yeah, out. A few verbal cues like <laughs> just speak. Just speak now. The listeners don't even notice. No, nah, they wouldn't even pick it they up. I don't get the radio talk of like just speak. Yeah, they just don't hear it. They just don't know. It's like, oh, they just have such great chemistry. Mm, mm. It's like a dog whistling. So. Yep, that's what it's like. Yep. Just doing radio is like watching a dog whistle. Imagine a dog trying to whistle. No wonder no, no one can hear it apart from dogs. So when they were touring these albums. Um, they also tour in different states. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they tour the, separately. The guitarist will be here next week. Just imagine this over that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you've got to piece it together in your mind. Like, yeah. uh, all right. And you're still, your mind's still just doing the drum. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he nailed the vocals of this bit last week. Uh, but, yeah, so they, in some ways, um, they were playing in, in different spaces. Okay. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> it felt like, like they said, some, they didn't know if they were getting the pit bull or they were getting the, the whacked out. The chihuahua. The chihuahua, yeah. Um. Uh, so with Phil being off his chops, one inf- infamous live show was on May the 17th, 2001 at Melbourne's Festival Hall. Oh. I was there. No way. <laughs> and they t- they were so delayed um, getting on stage. Um, I I remember um, – so but we had – it's like such a funny memory for me because we were drinking bourbon and Coke cans beforehand. Of it was course. like such teen – Weird teen cliched behavior. Probably Woodstocks. Woodstocks. Yep. Oh, God. Did anyone else buy them? They were still around 40 years later when Dave and I were young. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 40 years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. That all, is that the only age difference we have? Yeah. 40 years Drink, after. Drinking wise, yes. Right. Yeah. 40 years after the Woodstock that you were at. Yes. Yeah. The Woodstocks <laughs> we I, yeah, I drank were, you know, made at the festival. <laughs> mm-hmm. They were the original. Hendrix canned this drink. And I had my, um, while we're drinking those before the show, one of my friends shaved uh, lines into my beard. So I looked, which uh, Vinnie Paul sort of had this iconic beard. Um, Right until he died, there's like shaved lines into his beard. So I got them shaved in. Please tell me you have a photo. I had, when he he passed away, I I was trying to find it. It's got to be somewhere. And if you don't. Pre-internet. Oh, not pre-internet, but pre-Facebook. Yeah. So there's not an easy. If you record. don't, we will demand you to reenact it. I've I was genuinely considering it. I I think I'll, I'd do it. I think I'll I think I'll maybe I'll do it. Yeah. Again now, I just, I've definitely got a better beard now than I did when I was a teenager. Interesting. Yep. Um, I can't believe you had a beard as a teenager. That is so infuriating. Dave can't get a beard now. No, I can't. Twenty seven years old. I know, mate. I know. Yeah, Jess, you feel my pain. Yeah, I can't, you can't get, get a beer. I'm trying. But so we were drinking. We were drinking these cans. We'd had, we'd had quite a bit to drink, and it was smoking was legal indoors back then. Unbelievable. So this is in 2001, um, and the place was so smoky, um, and Oof. the band they were just. I felt I don't know how long exactly, but it felt like so long 
delayed for them to be on stage after the support acts finished. Do they have cool supports? Do you remember them? The support acts were cool. It was a cool Melbourne metal band who I'd seen a, a bunch of times. Taxi around. ride. Taxi ride, that's it. Get, Get set, <laughs> everybody. We're on our way, on our Imagine way. if they played that Metallica gig. You. Well, they were flipping a rock band like the Datsuns off. Too late, everybody. <laughs> Imagine the the reaction from the. It would have been amazing. I loved that song. It's a great song. Beautiful sick. harmonies. Yes, I love harmonies. Oh, oh, and they love those at metal shows. They love harmonies. I can't quite. I, I can't put that my we finger went on into that just... at the same time. That was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm good now. Oh, uh, you've got yeah. For a this bit. half an hour, is so good. Yeah, enjoy it. It's the golden half hour. Yeah, I'm going to crash again. See how I've also turned my body so I'm now facing yeah, you. Yeah, you can look at me. I you can stomach to... my face now. <laughs> I don't have to move my head, which was making me real dizzy. Oh, boy. I don't know how I'm going to get home. Anyway, let's get on with the but report. All, all those on. symptoms you were feeling, I was feeling as That's time went on. So we're all standing yeah. in the middle of Festival Hall. Also, the venue where uh, the Beatles played when they came to Fuck. Melbourne. Um few decades earlier. Imagine that. Imagine that, having seen the Beatles. Ah. Uh, oh. It just blows my mind. Incredible. That would be amazing. Apparently it was hard to... Hard to hear. Hard to hear, hard yeah. to concentrate, cause, um, which would have been so frustrating if you were there to hear the band, which yeah. I imagine some people would have been. Yeah, I would hope. It's such a yeah, weird idea to do. sound just... engineer can't hear anything. It's trying to turn everything up yeah. to full. Like, yeah. At least uh, it's even that way, you know? <laughs> Everything louder than everything else. Mm. So the time, so I'm standing in the middle of of, of the crowd, mm. and it's so smoky and foggy. I'd had a few of these cans, and I was starting to feel sick because mm. I was just standing there waiting, sort of just starting to sway. And I, I, I felt like 45 minutes or an hour they were late. Fuck. I'm like, I got to go spew. So I went to the bathroom. And in there, you could not see from the door to the other wall. It was just full of smoke. Oh my god. Some sort of illegal smoke if you know what I mean. Fireworks? Fireworks. Someone was setting off fireworks in, in the, the genre? Which just made me feel dizzy and yeah. I'm so so I go down and I'm spewing into one of these toilets oh. and then I hear the So as I come on stage I'm spewing in the toilet which is a bit unfortunate. I go out anyway. They they open with Hellbound which was the opening track of their latest album at the time. Um and it was sick. It was, a, it was a good show. And I was, you know, being young, I didn't have high standards for what a good show would be. But I did remember a few things throughout the show. Like um, I just vividly remember Dimebag hugging his guitar and just leaning back on his amp while Phil just talks and talks off his dial. Like in between songs. In between talking. songs, just really long, long, Fuck. hard to follow diatribes. Oh, like he's preaching. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he he had things to say, shit, just yeah. off his dial. And if that sucks because they rock stars get such a free ride. Like you make anything vaguely funny, yeah, the crowd just goes. <laughs> but I love was, these people, easy audience. So such an easy crowd. So if he's losing them, yeah, he must be speaking some real. It shit. It was just like what, just yeah, you just it, it was strange. But obviously, I didn't realize at the time, but he was affected by different things. Mm. He said later he was super, super drunk. He said it was the drunkest. It was the drunkest I've been in two years. And later on, shit happened that I don't even remember as I blacked out. So he was he was off his dial. And but that that did become like that was talked about a lot. That show it was one of the one of the low points of, of the band and the relationship. 
afterwards the band were furious at him like what the fuck are you doing you got to clean up your act and that sort of stuff and i've spoke to people um who were at the next night in adelaide and apparently he was apologizing to the crowd for the night before <laughs> saying really so obviously that's you know, how he was so drunk he thought he was still in melbourne and apparently knocked it out of the park. The next show was amazing, which is, you know, unfortunate for me. Um, this is a quote. He was uh, talking to a journalist soon after. He said, the whole band was fucking furious and I realised what I had to do. So I cleaned my shit up and the next night we went out and destroyed. I apologise to the fans for that show, but they will see us again. And Melbourne did not see them again. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was the last show they ever played in Melbourne, unfortunately. Oh, well, at least you got to see your heroes. Yeah, so that... That was cool. I feel very lucky because I, I got into him a year earlier. So I was so lucky with the timing. Yeah. Um, mm. Similar thing happened to me with Tism as well. I got into them in their last four, four or so years. And you saw them? When they were, yeah, I saw them like, I think I saw them about half a dozen times. That's really um, cool. So, yeah, very lucky in both those cases. The Beatles, not so much. Not so much. Damn it. I was, you know, I was bloody on, I was in a big heroin you know the the 60s mate if you remember them you weren't on heroin you were in as, a big, as i always say you were in a big heroin i was in a big heroin <laughs> sorry to talk lingo with you guys me and ringo used to talk such lingo a dime bag of big heroin <laughs> i'm not afraid of big heroin so um do you i mean you probably already don't love phil as a guy and there would be there'd be people who could do <laughs> probably do a report who would tell the story from the other side. It's almost like people would pick one side and or the other. And here's that report. No, here's some oh. stuff that's going to make you dislike him even more. Um, so as well as the internal tension of the bands, other controversies from these years um, include the band's use of the Confederate flag, in both in album, album art and in stage art. Okay, that's you not know, really great. Yeah, so it's... Now synonymous with racism, obviously it's, um, I, and I'm no expert on this at all. This is I've just pulled this out of it, an interview, and this is uh, Rex Rocker uh, replying to that. And I think he he talks about it pretty level in a pretty <laughs> level-headed way. He says the Confederate flag is on the back cover of the Great Southern Tranquil. That was the southern part of it. Um, there were still states that had that on their flags at that stage. Nowadays, it's forbidden to use it. It's not so politically correct. But it had nothing to do with racism. None of us were like that. It was just a tie-in to the artwork on the back cover. Even back then, I said, this is not the way to go. Leonard Skinner used one for years and still do. Now people confuse it with racism and hatred. That's not what this band is about at all. Quite the opposite. But it's the only thing I would say in the PC days now that I have any regrets about. About those old days, so that's a pretty good explanation. No, yeah, it feels pretty level, and he's just like, obviously, it wouldn't do it now, and it wasn't even sure, sure. Um, but it was a different time, which is always a bit of a soft excuse, but also, you know, time valid, sadly, yeah, valid in some ways. Sometimes, know. you know, it, it is. But this next bit, this is a feel. It's like, oh, okay. made me feel. Yeah, so anyway. Rex made a good explanation, but Phil, Phil, well, Phil sort of been on the he's. He's a fucking, he just seems like a weird unit, Phil. And then he'll do things where you're like, what the fuck? And it's like, are you giving us a little insight in yourself? Because this is like no no one would say this. Well, no one <laughs> in there, you know. Anyway, look. So um, he's come up with accusations of racism outside of the flag in January 2016. So very recently. Very recently. And Selmo <laughs> stood uh, before an audience in Hollywood at a benefit concert. 
and he's and as he finished his set, he stretched out his right arm in a Nazi salute and bellowed white power at the crowd. Okay, well you can't really explain that one. Yeah, I don't know how you That's can get away just with fucked. that one. His explanation of oh. this was quite bizarre. Um, it doesn't sound like Phil. At a benefit kick. At first, according to Rolling Stone, Anselmo's initial reaction to the uproar was to make light of it, saying white power was an inside joke because he'd been drinking white wine backstage. No apologies from me, he said at the time. Incredible. It was a white wine joke. We are all drinking white wine, so I did a Nazi salute. And yelled white power. Lol. It's like I don't like. Incredible. I mean, um, it would have been bad enough if he yelled white wine power. That's still a terrible joke. Yeah. But just to yell white power. Feel like, I mean, if you, if you, you are. Do you understand that? Yeah, that's right. He said, no, it was an in-joke backstage and stuff. Then don't do it. Um, but that changed within a couple of days. Uh, and this was his updated quote. He, he did a, a, a video. He said, it was ugly. It was uncalled for. And anyone who knows me and my true nature knows that I don't believe in any of that. I'm a thousand percent apologetic. Obviously, bad maths straight up there. I'm a thousand percent apologetic to anyone that took offense to what I said, which is always like a weaselly. Yeah. It's not I, I apologize for the thing I did. It's I apologize. If you took offense. To anyone who took offense. Yeah. Your fault. Uh, because you said, uh, because you, sh- no, well, oh, sorry. I should finish the fucking sentence. Because you should have taken offense to what I said. Right. Fair enough. Sorry, Phil. Sorry, Phil, to have a go at you in the middle of your white power apology. <laughs> uh, and I'm so sorry and I have, and I hope you just, man, give me another chance to, just give me another chance. He also released a statement a few de- days later which said, I'm repulsed by my own actions and the self-loathing I'm going through right now is justified by the hurt I've caused. Mm. So you're sort of like going, I mean, what are you, why don't I, I'm confused by you. What? Like, if you are so apologetic, how were you so dumb in that moment to think it was anything? Like, what? I, I'm so confused by it. Anyway, he he has also said, like, he's talked about it in different ways. Every time it seems to be a slightly different um, uh, explanation or whatever. Uh, he's also said that it was a weird attempt uh, in dealing with hecklers, saying that it, it was a dumb, dumb move on my part because I've dealt with hecklers before. Basically, I was showing the ugly. I was playing a part. It was an ugly gesture. And I've said this before. Look, if that joke is not funny anymore and it's worn out its welcome, then that's on. Then so be it. I can grow as well. Is he still talking about white wine? I, I don't. I, I think he's just. Yeah, I don't know. And is he still a drug addict? Is he still a bit off? No. You know. Off his, off his he seemed like rocker? Yeah. <laughs> It's Rex Brocker. That's good. Uh, I, 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 I caught that on delay. If you'd said off his Rex Brown. <laughs> Guys, I'm just off my Rex Brown tonight. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. you got to get it checked out. So, um, yeah, you hear him talk. I mean, he, is, is it the backlash that's making you, you know, sometimes you're like, why are you really apologising? Is it because... Yeah. Because I just don't understand why you would say it in the first place. If did you know about this at the time? Have you only no? You've only researched this. Yeah, according to a, a Garden article, Machine Head frontman, who's Machine Head's a great band, who were in that they sort of come into that same groove metal. So I never really explained that, but the the groove metal style that they started 
with Cowboys from Hell is just a slower tempo, sort of using um, some of the aggression of that of the newer Thrasher metal, but Thrash is quite a fast-paced style, so they bring it down to that. You know, like the walk is sort of a classic dun 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 whereas Thrash would be dun 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 sort of thing. Great example. That was well explained. It really was. I sound like I'm being sarcastic, but genuinely that was very well explained and I understood. Um, so Machine Head was... I got scar and scat mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> Doobity-bop-bop-bop. It's all the same to me. You're doing the the full house theme again. Give it about bad out. I never realised that's a scat song. Yeah. Or scar song, sorry. I can't. In your mind. I don't know. <laughs> So Machine Head, so the metal community like came down hard, obviously on him. Like, what the, f- you know, the, mm. um, in particular, Machine Head frontman Rob Flynn, um, uh, was one of the strongest critics. He released a, an eleven-minute video taking him down. Um, he also pointed out Anselmo's initial ex- explanation was misleading, since white wine was not served to performers. So it was just like a weird, even. How did he know that? He he was on the the lineup. Oh right, he was on the lineup. Yeah, so he was there. So he's going, um, and then he he went on to say, um, Flynn went on to say, only in the metal community is something like this so so brushed off. He said, if this was Chad from Nickelback, if this was Justin Bieber, or if this was Tom Brady, if this was Lars fucking Ulrich, heads would roll. Ulrich. Wow. So yeah, anyway, um, real strange. Yeah. I. Strange is not quite right. Real fucked. Um, so anyway, put that to one side. Uh, <coughs> if you can, this, we're getting to it. Like they're falling apart now anyway. The band's fracturing. They're they're basically breaking up at this point. Um, and according to Vinnie Paul, we kept working and really our intention wasn't <laughs> to stop until Phil decided he'd rather go and do Down and Superjoint Ritual, which were two of his other main bands. We never stopped. I really felt like we were going to be the rolling stones of heavy metal. And we could have been. That's what I'm just saying. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't a, for Phil. It wasn't for Phil, yeah. Uh, it wasn't to be. Vinnie Paul and Dimebag uh, got sick of waiting around for Phil. They were sort of, for them, Pantera was the main. They didn't really do side projects uh, like he did. So they were, they were waiting around. He said, um, I'm all, I was always sitting there ready to, ready to make another album or tour. They just had to call me. But, you know, there was a real big breakdown in communication and it went public. Like they were spatting in interviews against each other and that sort of stuff as well. Um, and they, so they, they got bored of uh, sick of waiting for him. They basically decided that he was never coming back. And I don't think it was ever official, but the band basically broke up in 2003 when Vinny and Dime formed a new group called Damage Plan um, with vocalist Pat Lockman, who was the guitarist for Judas Priest singer Rock, Rob Halford's band Halford. Um, they released their debut album, Newfound Power, in 2004, while, and uh, all the while the arguing between Pantera members continued on. Mudslinging in the press went both ways. Um, from Phil's side, in one interview, he said um, he said that he was always there, ready to go, basically blaming the, um, the brothers for the breakup. But he also said, and this is quite a famous line that people take out, and reading it in context, it doesn't sound as bad as this, but out of context, it sounds pretty bad. It is, it's either way. But he said um, that Dimebag deserves to be beaten severely. Four. Which is... Bit aggressive. Bit aggressive. I mean... Would he get paid for per punch? Because <laughs> he might. He might say yes. Yeah, you never know. It's Ten true. bucks a punch. I can't think of how much I'd charge per punch, to be honest. 
for me, it'd be a quite a lot of money. Yeah, I think. I it'll I probably reckon. depend on the person doing the punching. I think ten grand, and I'd cap it at one. Yeah, there's no way. There's no amount of money I'd take for thirty punches to the face. I reckon if you could punch me in the face, give me ten grand for it, and somehow strategically knock out my wisdom teeth at the same time. <laughs> oh yeah, that would solve a lot of problems. That's a win-win for you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. If anyone can do that, please get in contact. Yeah, I'm happy to have my wisdom teeth punched out and you give me 10 grand. <laughs> <laughs> Good deal. I'm fine with that. Um, so Damage Plan went out on the road in support of this album. Is and it, was the album popular? The album was, you know, it was popular enough, um, but nowhere near. Like I think it made top 40, charted in the top 40. Cool. Right. So it, was, it sold albums, but nowhere near as much as in the Pantera days. And um, it was... Like it was a bit, the reviews were a bit mixed from critics. I, I bought it at the time. I really liked it, um, but it, the, I don't know. Something about the lyrics did feel a bit like it was. It did feel like slightly lamer or something. There's, I remember this one song was called "Fuck You" or something. It goes, "Fuck you." And it went through all these things, reasons. Fuck you for this. Fuck you for that. And then it, it goes, it goes. But most of all, motherfucker, fuck you. <laughs> it's sort of like uh, something about it just feels real childish again. Yeah. So back to high school. Sell lyrics, but you know the first album, and you got to give a band a chance to grow. Um, yeah, I mean the first band took f- what, four albums before. Yeah, they exactly. Made so I, I'm like, I, to me, it was a very promising debut, and you know the guitar parts and stuff, and, and there was, you know, it was because you got the guitarist and the drummer from Pantera. There was a big chunk of the sound was. was and like, are people just going to the gigs because they want to see Dimebag and Vinny from? I Pantera? think so. Yeah, I I think that definitely would have been a big part. Unfortunately, they never made it out to Australia. Um, uh, about thirty-two shows in, um, Damage Plan uh, landed at the Al Rosa Villa Club in Columbus, Ohio, <gasps> uh, on December the eighth, two thousand and four. But this show would end in tragedy. Uh, former U.S. Marine Nathan Gale tried to board the damage plan tour bus before the show. He wasn't able to get in, but he was heavily armed and he got into the venue and he uh, got onto the stage uh, around the start of their performance, stormed the stage and he gunned down Dimebag at point-blank range. Uh, In the rampage, Gale also shot and killed damage plan's head of security, Jeffrey Thompson, and venue staff member, Aaron Hulk. Oh my God! I who, didn't know that. Yeah. It's, um, according to the uh, this uh, article I was reading on UltimateClassicRock.com, uh, those last two, uh, Thompson and Hulk, both of whom struggled with Gale long enough for other musicians and countless innocent concert goers to escape. Wow! But so they, they tried to tackle him. Basically. They tackled him, but yeah, he, he shot him. He shot him in the um, amongst all that. Uh, also killed was Nathan Bray, who was a fan who heroically attempted to give Dimebag CPR and paid an awful price as a result. That's oh the gosh. quote from the... Shot whilst giving CPR. Yeah. Um, Gail's shooting spree came to an end when a police officer killed Gail with a single shotgun blast while the assailant still held another man hostage. So that's that's all from that same article. Far out. Um, it's unknown what the motives were. Some say he was a crazed fan who was shouting, you broke up Pantera. So it was like a, um, like he was, he was taking his, um, that out on Pantera. Obviously w- wasn't going well. He wasn't a well man, mm. but it, like logically it's like, well, killing 
the guitarist is not going to help bring Pantera back. It's yeah. going to... It makes you, it much harder. To yeah. Because be like, that, that's what I heard at the time. I'm like, fuck, man. Yeah. You've done the opposite of that. Yeah, no, they, they can never get back together. Uh, but obviously he wasn't no, He wasn't well. thinking logically. Um, and I think um, I think I read his mum had said that he he might have even believed that they'd stolen his identity. He was the real songwriter or something like that. But right. it's never been – no one knows for sure what, what the reason was and obviously he died there. Um, so, you know, he wasn't able to be asked. Wow. I remember uh, where I, w- I was sitting in my car uh, with my friend Sarah at the beach when I, uh, a friend texted me about it and I reckon it's the only time I ever cried hearing about a stranger dying. Right, so you got texted and what? And the text just did it say he'd been shot or just yeah, he was yeah, dead? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I think it was just that he was he died at a concert and, you know, the um, info was sketchy at first. Mm. Um, and I I because his, so his trademark was a, he had a dyed pink beard, so I dyed my, had my beard dyed pink that week. And, um, yeah, so I, used to, I was working at a supermarket at the time and they did not like that. <laughs> and you said, it's for fucking Dimebag. Oh, it's for Dimebag. A lot of, it was funny how many people knew what it was about. But, um, yeah, the supermarket made me tie it up in a, in like a, like, like that. Like that makes a like huge a knot. difference to yeah. the colour. That's, yeah, that makes it way more intimidating. A tied up beard. Yeah. It looks like you're a member of Corn from 1999. <laughs> Terrifying. Terrifying. <laughs> like monkey? <laughs> Or one of the, the guy with the kilt? Yeah, Jonathan. Jonathan. I was going to say Jonathan Bro, but that's not that's right. That's not right, Jonathan. Jonathan. Fuck, what was his name? That's bad. Is that bad? Maybe that's nah, great. you don't even know, Corn. They're all right. They do what they do. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Jonathan. <laughs> that's Jack TT. Oh. No. Jonathan Davis. Davis. Jonathan Davis. Um, um nah, nah, um, nah, nah. What was he making those? Uh? <laughs> yes, he should have done the home improvement noise. <laughs> he was yeah. Tim Allen, he was a freak on a leash, I tell you that much. <laughs> freak off the leash. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh? uh, uh has since been in ranked in, in many compilations of, of top guitarists of all time, including the number one guitarist by UK magazine Metal Hammer. Um, Number one of all time, amazing. Yeah, um, I think I don't think you'd get heaps of people agreeing with that. But he's he's definitely known as a very great, very influential heavy metal guitarist. Mm. Um, uh, and then, as we said at the start, um, talking about Vinnie Paul, but he he took the death of his brother very hard. So there's a lot of tragedy in that family. So he was there playing. He was there. He saw it all. He was right. That would be yeah. so awful. Oh. Yeah. So he. It, he took a little bit of time off music before uh, joining this band called Hell Yeah. Um, Great name. In 2006, who I saw I saw around that time at, um, at a festival in Melbourne. Was there any other members of other bands in it? Yes. They were oh, they're quite a super group, Hell Yeah. Um, I just love the term super group. It's so good. It is. It is. It, what uh, was the Australian supergroup called that got together and did Evie or three parts of oh, Evie? Oh, the, the Stevies, I think. Was it they were called the – because it was after Stevie Wright or the Wrights. The Wrights. And not the Stevies, the Wrights. <laughs> Damn it. The Wrights, that's right. Um, yeah, so they had uh, – their vocalist was from, was from Mudvayne. And, oh, um, yeah. Nothing Face, 
Um, and yeah, so that members they all played in different metal bands beforehand. Um, and yeah, they they released a bunch of albums. And Did they you write them at all? Still going right up to his death. I I didn't love. I to be honest, I I didn't give them a didn't really listen to them beyond their first album, which I thought I didn't love. But now I've just listened to their tracks of their most recent album, and it's pretty cool. So I'm gonna probably delve back into them coming up. Right, and have they said yet how many died? Yeah, so they weren't sure at first, but it sounds like it was it was a massive heart attack. Oh. Right. Which was interesting. For some reason, I'm like, oh, was did he take his life because of the the pain from and and all the the trauma from um, seeing his brother killed? But yeah, I don't know. I was like the heart attack I was like, oh, that's awful. I, yeah, I mean, it's whatever it was. It was going to be sad. Yeah. But did him and Phil ever talk again, or was it? Nah, you'd see um, Rex in the middle was sort of trying to get something happening, and and there was basically Vinnie Paul's like, "There's without Dime, there's no Pantera." Don't worry about it. Yeah. But he also kind of, I I, I think he maybe blamed Phil in some ways for it. Um, people in between, even even Dimebag's um, longtime girlfriend, uh, was trying to get him to talk again, but. Uh, you'd see Vinnie Paul in, in interviews and he'd be like, no, nah, I don't really want to talk about that. Nothing more needs to be said about that. Oh, yeah. that's sad. Yeah, he just, he, he just wasn't. Uh, certainly not now. Who knows what would have happened in the future, but he, um, it never quite happened. He has talked about there's recordings of Dimebag that he, um, sort of things they were working on when Dimebag died that have never been released. And he's like, they're all in the vault and I'm going to – this is an interview I was watching from a, a year or two ago. And he's like, yeah, when, I'll, when I've got time, I'm going to put them all out. I'm going to work on them. Maybe I'm going to get guest vocalists on them and we'll put them out. And I'm like, oh, fuck. So sad. It's all so bloody sad. Um, so, he was, yeah, he was 54. Mm. So he's still relatively a young young man. And that, that, I guess, brings us right up to date. What about Rex Brown? Rex Brown actually um, – so he he played with Down for a while, and he's played with a bunch of different bands. And he released his um, debut solo album, I think it was last year, which I I quite liked as well. Sort of a hard hard sort of southern rocky kind of album. Just southern rock bass lines. Yeah, yeah. Twelve tracks. There's um nothing but bass. It's a good. It's, it was called uh, Smoke on This. Oh yeah, oh, the like titles that. are. Very good. Very good stuff. Yeah. So, is it like there was the album cover like someone's ass with like a joint poking out of it? <laughs> I think it was just it was him lighting up the smoke. I think, but um, yeah, he went pretty literal. Mm. You know, it was a real opportunity for to get that ass back in a Walmart. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Which I think they'd be on board with now. Yeah, I think they would be. I think they'd be ready. Yeah. Didn't sound like they lived the uh, healthiest lifestyles. No, I mean they, they possibly that contributed to the heart attack. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I, I didn't talk about that much, but they were famous parties as well. Sure, um, they had was the, they had the famous. Um, I said Dimebag had this. Uh, they used to drink this thing called Black Tooth Grin. I was like, I think it was. I don't know if they made it up or if that was already like a famous cocktail, but it was like bourbon and all sorts of crap mixed in Black Tooth Grin. Oh no, I think that's what it was called. It sounds nasty. Mm. They don't they, tell Jess about it now. They used to um, uh, release home videos, home videos, which are really just like them going around on handy cams, cutting them together. It's like early kind of jackass stuff, sort of a lot of fucking oh, yeah, around. Cool. And 
they'd have this road guy, like real confusing sketches. Like there was like, I don't know who he was, like their tech or something. And he'd be like um, the Hulk. He'd be painted green and just flexing at the... <laughs> And then they do like these long compilations of them throwing um, uh, plastic cups at gigs out into the crowd with a little bit in and people catching it and drinking it. They'd figured out the way to throw it so the beer would stay in the cup. Nice. And there was just all these compilations, just a lot of fun. So they, they're they a fun time kind of band, a party band. How were band. people watching them back in the day? VHS. So that's how they were initially released as, um, yeah, the like home videos, and then they oh, got that's, ro- that's fun. Got, ended up coming out on on DVD as well. You can you can still bloody get all that stuff. Black can you watch it on YouTube. Black Bla- Diamond. The first thing I, I just searched Black Tooth Grin. I think it must be his thing because it came up. The first thing that came up is Dimebag Daryl's Black Tooth Grin is his drinkable legacy. <laughs> it sounds already bad. Mm. Yeah, I mean the name of it sounds Not pretty appealing. nasty in itself. Um, what is it? What does it specifically entail? So it's a, essentially, apparently, according to this article on munchies.vice.com. I trust them. Um, and it was named after a lyric in Megadeth's Sweating Bullets. It's a, essentially a double shot of Seagram's Seven and a double shot of Crown Royal tossed over ice or not and splashed with just enough Coca-Cola to give it a darkened hue. So that's four shots, I guess. Whoa. Sounds mm. nasty. Mm-mm. And if you come to our Sydney show, <laughs> Jess and I will be seven black tooth grins all no, night long. Absolutely not. No. Well, Are you looks never like, drinking again no. at the moment. Looks like it's just me. I'll be having shot after shot of the black tooth grin. The end of that half hour of feeling good is approaching. <laughs> yeah. It's actually no, that's been bad. About half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> well, that gives it a yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry, Jess. <laughs> So we should, um, so, uh, having wrapped up the report. Uh, well done, Matt. That is a great report. I'm sorry that they died. <laughs> That's beautiful, Dave. Thank, I, thank you so much. <laughs> it is tragic. For those heartfelt words. Um, but a very timely report because I feel like that maybe you could have done this report at another time. Yeah. It wouldn't have been f- full closure. I now, just, it, I didn't know how. They're never getting back together. That's I did, it. Yeah, that's true. I just did not know how to feel about it when, when I got... Yeah, that Google alert. I was mm. like, oh, you're kidding. That was really – anyway. Um, so this week's fact, quote, or question, which is a, a Patreon each week. Have you explained this, Dave? I have, No, I mean, did you leave the room to vomit? No. I mean, have you ever explained <laughs> it? Because I don't know if I've oh, – right, I've tried meant... and I've never explained it particularly well. All right. Honestly, I thought what you meant was – sorry, have you already explained did this, Did I Dave? miss this? <laughs> Basically, fact, quote, or question is a new Patreon-supported uh, segment – where people that support us are on patreon.com slash dogoonpod, which is if you ever want to uh, support the show. On the uh, on the Sydney Scheinberg level. That's right. These people, uh, we pick one at random to submit a fact, quote, or question that we will broadcast on the show. What have we got this week, Matt? And we also get, they also get to choose their own title. Oh, yes. Um, In so, terms of where they rank within the Dugo One company. Exactly. Uh, and this week, uh, it's Trey Maverick. Trey. Um, oh, Trey's been a big supporter of the show. What's yeah. Trey's job title? Uh, he said, you can use my full legal title since it's already pretty badass, and that is Joseph Lee Maverick Third. Very good. He said, or Joseph, son of Joseph, son of Joseph. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and Joseph, son of Joseph, son of Joseph. That's a great business card. He's chosen fact. 
Oh, I love a good fact. Okay. Blow our minds. All right. Well, I, th- I have a feeling that you might know this fact because it's, it's also, um, anyway, I'll just say it and uh, you, you can tell me if and why you do know it. Um, the fact is there is no such thing as a fish. That is true, and it's also the title of that uh, QI-inspired podcast. That's right. So that, and I never put together why that would be the name of that, but that is, of course, because that is a fact. That is one of their facts. And he said, um, he said, uh, it's true. Well, kind of, fish is not a biological stratification. It's kind of like the word bug and that it doesn't refer to any specific species or genus, but everyone's... Everybody pretty much knows what you mean when you say it. Oh, that's cool. That is Trey Maverick's fact. Thank you, Trey. And No Such Thing as a Fish is a very popular but also a very fun podcast. I think they just toured Australia not too long ago. So they obviously... Yeah, oh, they're huge. They get get around. Yeah, they're the people that basically, they're the researchers from uh, QI, yeah. yeah. That's cool. And thank you very much for your facts, Trey. And another thing we do... Uh, with our Patreon supporters. Dave, what's the other thing we do? Well, basically, you can also vote on topics if you're a Patreon. You get two bonus episodes just for those uh, supporters every single month. You get uh, access to newsletters, pre-sales, that kind of thing. But you also, uh, we pick six people in order of when they pledged. So we're getting through the, the back the back end of all the people. And um, we get to thank them for their support and we give them a little a nickname or a title or something to do with the topic. Matt, what are you thinking? Well, this, this is not my role. This is Jess always does Rock this. and roll name. Rock and roll name. Like so Dimebag. Like, bag. And Rex Rocker. Right. I love it. That's so good. good. That's real good. Well, can I can I kick off uh, this week's thank yous for our yes, patrons? you certainly can. For, all the way from Hampshire in Great Britain, I'd love to thank Mr. James Sutton. Oh. James Sutton. Jimmy. Jumpin' James. Jumpin' James. Jumpin' Jimmy James. I like it. Jumping. I like it a lot. He sounds like a sixties rocker. Jumping, yeah, jumping, James. jumping, ja- jumping, James the Jack Rabbit. Jumping, James, jumping, James. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, jumping, James, all the way in Hampshire. I try to, uh, I try, I try to take it up a notch, and then I looked up at you guys, and you guys were both like, "Bring it back down a notch, yeah, come mate." Come on, mate. I mean, he's you, you flew too close to the sun, <laughs> and your wings have melted because they're made of. Water. Wow. Wow. Ice water wings. melts. Oh, okay. They, they were made, made of water, then put in the freezer, Dave. Come and grow up. Right. Uh, I would also like to thank, if I may, and I, I would, uh, and I think I should may, I'm pretty sure this next person from Brisbane, Queensland, is a metalhead, Kate Johnson, who came and saw us up at the live show in Brisbane last year around. Kate. I'm really a metal. Yeah. Kate Johnson. Kate Johnson. She took us to uh, that metal bar, Dave. Oh, Kate, yeah. She's a massive metalhead. Yeah. She's got tattoos I think of she metal was... bands and things. Kate, yeah. She was I a thought lot... he was going to stop at tattoos. I was like, <laughs> you have a tattoo. We all have a tattoo. Yeah, no, sorry. Hers are very uh, heavy, heavily music inspired. Yes. Uh, that was a great night out, actually, Kate. Yeah, Kate. Now, what was that place called? It was called the Crowbar. Crowbar, that was it. Jess, well, Kate Johnson, give him a metal name. Oh, it's got to be Crowbar. Oh, Crowbar. Kate, Kate Crowbar. Kate the Crowbar Johnson. Oh, that's good. Kate the Crowbar Johnson. Love that. Love it. So good. Yes, well done. Thank you very much, Kate. Well, I um, I 
uh, ex-girlfriend gave me a, uh, a metal name, and that was Metallica. Oh, I love it, yes. <laughs> Sounds like that she was pretty down <laughs> with the music. Like the, the band. No, we get it. Oh, I was going to. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to try and do something there, but that's fine. You going to do a bit of a switcheroo? Yeah, but that's okay. Go on, no, do it. No, it's too late. Now. Don't sulk. Come yeah. on. Do you want to do it? I was gonna. I was gonna say, like the band Megadeth, because yeah, Dave Mustaine's a bit sad. Yeah, it's down. But you, um, you made sure to put a put a, an end to that. I'm glad you did, because that's what I do. All right, I'm gonna thank someone <laughs> to get us out of this uh, metal hole that we're putting in. I would like to thank from, if I may, Jess. Can I go? Please. You can uh, wrap us up. Great. If you don't vomit. <laughs> I, yeah, originally I was going to say, can I go first just in case? But no, let's go. Are you sure? I would like to thank from WA, West, no, not Western Australia at all, Washington, from uh, Mount Vernon, Washington, frequent tweeter and suggester Pete Free. Pete Free. Thank you so much, Pete. We'd love to have your support. Oh, great, Pete. I did not know that's how you pronounce Pete. Yeah, because last time you said Pete. Pete. And I would have before. done that again. No, no, yeah, I made a mental note because I think she's uh, suggested some topics before. Yeah. That's when Free. that's when we stuffed up last time. So yeah. thank you, uh, Pete Free. And what would we call Pete Free? Pete Free. What about uh, the Flame and Eagle? Yeah, Leonard like Free, a more yes. old, old school sort of old school early metal kind of imagery there. Yeah. Oh right. Okay. Like dragons, Stonehenge. Yeah, and then. The bald eagle, free. Perfect. Love it. And um, and she's got a tattoo on her back of a bald eagle with a spread wings and just its head is on fire and, it, and you can see a skull, kind of like that Nicolas Cage comic book movie. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Um, I don't know the name. Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. I'm going to call it Ghost Man. <laughs> Ghost Man. Uh, thank you so much, Pete Free. Keep rocking out. I would like to thank all the way, I believe, from Sweden. Very exciting. To have uh, some uh, Swedish support. Ooh. I cannot pronounce um, with any uh, real uh, knowledge of how to pronounce where you're from, but it's uh, Kung Sangen. Ooh. Kung I reckon that's pretty close. I would like to thank Yannicka Larsen. Yannicka Larsen. That is a brilliant Larsen. name. Yes. Yannicka Larsen. So good. Bob, what do you got? What have I got? Yannicka Larsen. What about... Um... Banging heads, Larsen. Banging. Headbanger. Headbanging. That's fucking. Yannicka Headbanging Larson. Badass. That is fucking badass. When you're when you banging heads at the midnight sun, Yannicka Larson's there. I feel like we're playing, uh, we're playing one down here today. Normally Jess is carrying us through this segment. And I I'm didn't, doing great. I never realized how much she carried us until today when she did not rock up. <laughs> It's too bad. It's weird doing this show with just the two of us Don't worry again. About you and I will step up for these last two names. I'm sure of it. We'll okay. get some great ones. Janet, look, Yannicka Larson, the headbanger, is that's pretty iconic. Yannicka, the headbanger. Well, I would like to thank a couple of people too before I go throw up again. Okay, great. Uh, from from this very mouth that's thanking you, vomit will be coming out very soon. It's very exciting. From British Columbia. British Columbia. In Canada. I would like to thank Callie Trey. 
Oh, that is already a great name. So Ali good. Trey. So good. You all give me aboard. you give me one word, Dave, and I'll do the second word, all right? Okay. You give me a real metal verb and I'll go some sort of a hard noun. Okay. Rusty total. <laughs> Rusty total. That's pretty good. Yeah, I like it. I said total, but um, Oh, okay. No, total even better. Rusty total. I mean, was that total. a hard noun? Total? I think I was, What is is that a, is that a I word? I think I was trying to say turtle, but I started saying toad total. It's a part Toad part turtle. Yeah, cool. And it's rusty. <laughs> rusty total. Well. Rusty total. That doesn't seem healthy, but thank you, Kelly. <laughs> Kelly. And, All right, uh, Matt, we'll do another one now. All right. We'll I'm going to say an actual an, an actual thing this time. And I'd also like to thank from this very studio, somebody who has supported us. Dave, have you been supporting? Yes, I have. It's It's... Really, because Patreon takes the money off it, so really, I'm losing money. Mm. They take their cut from the money yeah, I'm giving good point. us. Okay, I meant the wider building that we're in. Oh, the owner Stupid of the building. Stupid old studios. I would like to thank the beautiful boy himself, Evan Munro Smith. EMS, the host of Gamey Gamey Game. Oh, what a show! What a man, Evan. Evan Munro Smith. All right. Also, I'll... the man who wrote our theme song and yeah. wrote and performed it, and he still supports us monetarily. Thank you so much, Evan. You legend. And I'll. What have I? Th- you think of the verb, and I'll go noun. Okay. Um, ball tearing hook. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty great. The ball tearing hook. The ball tearing hook. And appropriate. Yeah. He doesn't have enough names already. Evan, the ball tearing hook, Munro Smith. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Great. That's great. Awesome. We finished strong. I think we've really uh, summed up his essence. Thanks, there. Evo. Thanks, Evo. You're a legend. He does so much for this show. So, um, and we also love his show, Gamey Gamey Game. Well, let's give him a plug. Go check it out on YouTube. It's the best video game panel show I've ever seen. Uh, and we've all been on it multiple times, so um, you should go check that out. Maybe we'll put that in the description. There's a link to all of our episodes on there, so I'll put that link in the description. Yeah, check out the playlist of the do go on uh, the times do go on or on uh, gamey gamey game. Even one, uh, once when we were all there, that was yes, fun. that's mm, true. That was fun. We talked about the Sims. We're all big gamers. Yeah. Oh, I love um, gaming Furry's World or whatever the game I played. Orby's World is what you were calling it. Oh yeah, but it's called. It's not that. It's called like. Ratchet and Wank or something. Something like that. Yeah. That's good fun. Good fun. And uh, you can get in contact anytime with us, guys. All the uh, contact details are now conveniently listed on dogoonpod.com, our pretty new website. There's also merch there. A link there. You click um, merch, takes you to Redbubble. And there's two designs up at the moment. We're going to have some more coming up. And right now you can get T-shirts, but it also you can put that design on pretty much anything else. You can put it on pants, on hoodies. Pants Terra. Yes, yeah, you can put it on pants. You can be the pants. Can we get like a do-go-on style like metal logo? Yes. Oh, my goodness, that would be fun. Absolutely, yes. Thanks, Bob. Let's get Capra onto it. Can we have it? And it just says like tear and balls since 2016. <laughs> sure. Or 2015 when we actually launched. Yeah. <laughs> now the first few months we didn't put tear nah, balls. Nah, but balls after that intact. we started tearing yeah. balls. I should, I'd love to also plug our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash do go on pod. Um, I've been, I'm almost up to date with all the episodes and there's all, there's a, a couple of live videos from our live shows up there as well. And maybe a couple, of, I think there's a video of Dave Headbutton and humping the watermelons in there somewhere as well. Yeah, so check that out. Good content. <laughs> Hot content. No I want to re- try and put more stuff up. 
No regrets. Yeah, so uh, please, yeah, subscribe to the channel because the more people that subscribe there, the more we'll be like, yeah, let's do it. Let's put some stuff up. It'll be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, you can suggest a topic through the website. And um, I guess that's pretty much it for this week. That's Jess, what are you going to do tonight? I'm going to go throw up again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can we please wrap up? All right, let's wrap up. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week, I will say thank you and goodbye. Later. Bye. Help me. <laughs> Thanks for doing that, Bob. Thanks for hanging around. Yeah, you took one for the team there. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Yeah. Certainly not the bop. Some of them. Who is perfect. Perfect in every way. And that's why she is regularly retweeted by Mr. Russell Crowe. <laughs> oh, we've got to talk about quickly about that. Jess, how does it feel to be tweeted, retweeted by Academy Award winner Russell Crowe? Well, look, all it's really done is... is um, Changed you inherently? Yeah. Made I'm you a better person. Better, newer, more focused. Newer. <laughs> <laughs> Refreshed. Yeah. I feel invigorated. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am so focused. And it also exposed you to so many new fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People encouraging you, I imagine, Definitely. writing nice things about you. Yeah, people Crowbots, I think they call Russell Crowe fans. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> that is good. So that's the that's what they used to call the Adelaide Crows when they were oh, they were a very like regimented team in the in the mid two thousand. Anyway, it doesn't matter. What a weird sidetrack early. But that, that how good was that? That was very good. I but, didn't get any. I didn't get any extra followers from it. Maybe, didn't you? maybe like three. Really? But I just got a lot of comments of like, um, I "This of... is offensive." <laughs> I was like, "I'm not sure how," but okay. Oh boy! And then one that was in Italian. Um, Malta Vanni. Did, did translate. I did translate. I understood what one of them was. Was it a swear word? No. Uh, but the other word, it it nothing. Came, marks. Nothing came <laughs> up in Google Translate. I was like, that's odd. And then that person actually tweeted again, like correcting her spelling mistake. Oh. So what she was saying was like funny laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, laugh this maybe. is the reach that Russell Crowe has. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm reaching Italy. He's his multi-million follower. Two point seven. Two point seven. He's counting. That's kind of low. I reckon he's gone up to 2.8 since he's retweeted your content. Because you look at like Kim Kardashian, she's in like 60 million. Right. That is low. Maybe he's just getting it. Anyway, he's been hot on it lately. Yeah, he has. He's probably, I imagine he's another person that if you did a report on, you would find that you don't like him that much. Potentially. I don't know. Probably. He's a roguish brute. Anyway, but he's a good friend of mine and a <laughs> yeah. colleague and mentor. Sorry, so sure. please show some respect for Rusty. A gladiator mentor. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Mel. Bri here. Got to work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty. Daddy. Hey, Mikey, if you're going to puke, find the popcorn bowl. But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm going to get you that budget just as soon as I... Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian.